Comic Timing is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 176 of Comic Timing, a comics podcast devoted to the average comic book fan from the average comic book fan. Join in as Brent Casina, rotating panel of guests, and myself, Ian Levinson, discuss whatever comes to mind, time after time, here on Comic Timing. It's the first comic timing of 2016. Let's tear 2015 to shreds. We talk about the good stuff, the bad stuff, the not-so-either-of-them, and some other words that probably make sense. Here now, Comic Timing. Hey there, folks. My name is Ian Levesine, and welcome to episode 176 of Comic Timing. Welcome to 2016, Brent Casino. Well, all right, it's a few weeks in, but hi. Hi. <laughs> how, how was your New Year's? Uneventful. Yeah? Did you yep, stay, did you stay watched, up for it, at least? We watched Everest and tuned in for the ball drop 30 seconds before. Nice. Nice. That's, that's usually the best way to avoid hearing too much Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> well, ever, the start of Everest was delayed because we were... Amanda wanted to see a bunch of pop acts on that same program. Oh, yeah. So we started a little bit later than I would have liked, but oh well. Yeah, so it goes. And uh, joining us this episode, uh, first off, uh, Sean Dr. Norge Whalen returning to the show. Sean, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. It's, it's, it's been a while and actually too long, so it's great to talk to you guys. Great to talk to you as well. And, uh, of course, when there's Sean, there's, of course, Jim... Sensei of the whatnot, Segulin, or the man who, if he could get his way, would change the title of We Are Robin to Jim is Robin. <laughs> How's it going, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you forgot a couple nicknames. You know, the, you know, Duke, Duke of You Know. like Duke, You Know, the Elder Statesman of the uh, Raging Bullets podcast. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the Wacky Wittish did, did, nah. I just, did I just create that? Oh, no. Yeah, you uh, just created it. Uh, it, it. It's dying on the vine. Damn right it. As we look at it. <laughs> I thought there was something involving Watish at one point with another Well, Watish is my, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that symbol I throw out. It's the giant W. And yes, every single time I say, <laughs> I am throwing out the W. So. I, I figured as much. <laughs> Either that or, or lassoing uh, whoever is near you. I think it's secretly something going wrong with his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> well, that I have. <laughs> Lassoing the Pepto-Bismol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to wrap up uh, 2015 on this episode, uh, get a uh, nice general conversation, going away from the format we had in uh, in previous years that Brent loves so much, and uh, and going back to our, uh, our, our more... Original version of the of the wrap up, very uh, loosey goosey. If you want to use those words, and I'm shocked that I just did. And uh, yeah, we'll see where this goes. But uh, before we do that, as always, we are sponsored by DCBS Discount Comic Service at DCBService.com, where you can find the best deals on all of your comic books. Fifty percent off of Marvel and DC hardcovers and trades, and forty percent off of Marvel, DC, Image, and Dark Horse single issues. Uh, you can go to their uh, Comicsology storefront as well to save even more on your order. And uh, bundles, bundles, bundles for anything you want to get all of. Uh, the Vertigo, bun- Vertigo bundle is usually up there, and uh, they usually have some Marvel and DC stuff uh, every single month. DCBService.com. We thank them for their sponsorship. We'll start off uh, kind of broad here. 2015 in comics. Give me, a, give me your general take on whether this was a good year for the comic book medium. Because um, there, were, there were a lot of changes this year as uh, companies, uh, I guess, try to adjust their strategies a little bit more as, as digital becomes 
more and more thing that's being embraced by fans. Uh, you've, you've, we've seen titles go entirely digital. We've seen titles go you know digital first and then wind up going into uh, print. And we've seen you know titles come and go that probably should have had a longer life. But we've also seen campaigns to keep titles running this year. Sean, I'll start it off with you. Uh, how, how was 2015 uh, comic book-wise for you? This was the year of risk and opportunity, and I, I actually really like that. <laughs> now, not, that doesn't mean that every title was a home run. You know, There were some concepts and titles, as you mentioned, that were very short-lived. Mm-hmm. But I was glad to see them go to some concepts that really had seemed to vanish for a while, bring them back, and give them a new life. And it actually all was new creators were coming on the scene and trying out new concepts. And I'm not just talking about in the mainstream. If you take a look across comics, we saw a lot of properties that hadn't been done in a while. Um, Some of them from comics, other ones outside of comics that were brought in. And uh, honestly, I would say comic book tie-ins also saw a brand new life this year of quality, which was something before that was like, (laughs) that was an accident more than something (laughs) would happen regularly. (laughs) So I I really felt quality-wise overall, I thought this was a year of great risk and some great quality that came out of it. I was more saddened by titles that were canceled than um, anything else this year uh, because there were some great short-lived titles that I thought delivered some interesting concepts. Yeah, we'll we'll get more into that as the show goes on, but I, I do agree with uh, with that. I mean, even if I'm not reading a lot of DC right now, uh, there there were some concepts I would have liked to have seen thrive a little bit further there, and and Marvel as well. Uh, some mm-hmm. some books that uh, had some potential and really weren't given enough uh, time to breathe. Jim, what about you? See, for me, this was kind of a year of uh, events within the individual titles. Mm-hmm. You know, look at like what happened with the Superman titles, with the Bad Universe, Justice League, you know, with uh, their current stories going on. These were epic event level type of uh, stories being told, but they weren't told in an event. They were told within the, the confines of the monthly titles and also even within crossover different titles within that universe the the superman universe the bat universe they're telling these characters growth and stories and i for one i was kind of happy that it was being told in the monthlies and i thought that was kind of a neat thing to do it's i i I kind of enjoy that trend because event fatigue can set in very easily especially if there's a different part in like five different series you have to pick up all at once to get the full story Exactly. Yeah. And I, and they've got a couple, they obviously, of course, did a couple this year. You're always going to get those in titles. But I think you look at, especially with Superman and Batman, those were significant events going on in those, in their lives that were happening in either action comics, Superman. They had uh, some parts of the story in Superman, Wonder Woman. You had the, the Batman and detective comics were telling the, the Bruce's story and, you know, well, the Bruce and Joker story. That was kind of huge that it wasn't a event event, but it was a bat title event. Right. Brent? I think it was definitely a good year. I mean, just look at the number of Star Wars and Secret Wars comics that Marvel sold this year. is half a million, I believe. Oh, yeah. Astonishing number in terms of what's been able to sell over the last few years. And if you do that for, uh, you know, all those... The Star Wars comics have been phenomenal this year, and if you Amen. add those up with the Secret Wars stuff, which was, I think, a big success for Marvel, even though it was you know heavily delayed, 
I think it's been a great year for comics. If only DC will get on the same bandwagon next year. <laughs> Ooh, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers needs to buy some some big property that DC can milk the same way that Starvels has milk has a uh, Marvel has milk Star Wars. See it, Starvels. It, it goes together. <laughs> well, I mean, DC does have their 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 tie-in properties. I mean, going back to what Sean was saying earlier, that have been doing pretty well for them. Where uh, you know, say like a couple of years ago, had you told me that a, uh, a an Arrow comic. You know, a tie-in comic for for a TV show would actually be decent. Uh, I would be a bit surprised because those are usually afterthoughts and uh, not nearly as much today as as they once were. So DC's at least got that sort of stuff going for it, and their you know video, their video game stuff. I mean that that Injustice comic still sells really damn well for them. Mm-hmm. What I, what I'll say about 2015 in a nutshell is this was the year where I was able to tell myself that I don't have to read everything. Um, just because I've been reading a comic book for years doesn't necessarily mean I have to continue to collect it just for the sake of collecting it. And my my habits have changed significantly over this year and in previous years as well. It's just I'm building upon it now where I'm going a lot more digital. I'm, I'm going to Marvel Unlimited. I'm waiting the six months on certain comic books because I'm backed up enough in my reading. There's no reason for me to go out of my way to purchase something separately to read on Comixology if I know it's going to be on Marvel Unlimited six months later. And with DC, I made the decision this year... Other than the uh, the Lois and Clark comic, which I haven't actually started reading yet, but I have all all the issues waiting to be read, and I and from what I've heard, I'm gonna wind up enjoying it. I I made the decision to not really go whole hog on DC and try again. I, I will wind up getting a bunch of stuff in uh, digitally and in trade from the library as time goes on, but I don't really need to be reading single issues right now. I feel like uh, my I have uh, plenty of time to catch up on things, especially once storylines are done. But I did do Convergence, and that was a big part of the year for me. And uh, I, it, it, uh, it had its high points and it had its low points. Uh, Secret Wars as well, I, I went whole hog into a bunch of uh, different miniseries along with the main miniseries and, and enjoyed it for the most part. And that will actually leapfrog me into the uh, the next bit of conversation here, which is of the events that happened this year with Secret Wars, with Convergence, and things like that, um, do you feel like they were pulled off to their highest bit of potential? Because for one thing, Secret Wars technically just ended now in 2016. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was supposed to be over back in I think November originally or if not December and uh, they they wound up having a whole bunch of delays and issue 9 just came out this week as we're recording. So that might not have been the most perfect thing considering that the Marvel universe has already started their next phase and we're just now getting the conclusion of the last one. Brent how how did these uh these big events of the year do it for you? I thought convergence the main story when you know went up and down for me in the end. I thought it was okay. I mean, we all kind of knew, thanks to Bleeding Coal, that it was a, a holdover project while they moved offices. So maybe it wasn't a whole bunch of thought put into it. Right. But I thought there the effort was there when you were reading it. It didn't seem like a like an easy cash in. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't one of DC's best, but it definitely was not one of their worst. It's certainly above Amazon's Attack, <laughs> which I still liked. <laughs> but um, Secret Wars is harder to judge. Because reading the ending this past week and 
I felt like it was robbed of, you know, everything that was cool in Secret Wars mm-hmm. because of the way that it was delayed and you had, you know, I, I think if they had held Invincible Iron Man for three or four months, however long it's been out, yeah. for that Doctor Doom reveal to come out after Secret Wars 9, I think it, that last issue would have ended a whole lot better. But the fact that, you know, Doctor Doom has his face back, basically, was uh, it's kind of a non-starter at the end of that issue, because we already knew it. When, if we had no idea of it, I think it would have hit harder, and I would have enjoyed that issue a lot more. I know a lot of people gave, a lot of reviewers gave that a 10 out of 10 or whatever, or best issue, mm-hmm. best finale ender of the year, or ever in, the, in an event, but it, it didn't land as hard for me. And I'm so-so on Hickman, so it was kind of a little weird. Well, I, I haven't read nine yet, but I know what happened in it, so that it's not much of a of a spoiler situation for me. But uh, Sean, uh, one of the, one of the ways I feel about uh, Secret Wars is I th- I think I'm going to feel about it the same way I feel about Final Crisis once I actually wind up finishing issue nine. Is that it will read way better in collection than it did as it was coming out, just because of how long it took to come out and how much, you know, you had to almost remind yourself what, what happened in the last issue when you would get that next one coming out. But uh, but how, how did Secret Wars do for you, Sean, and uh, for that matter, Convergence? Well, it's as far as both of events went, um, kind of similar to Brent's thinking, you know, the, the stories had their highs and lows, but I enjoyed both of them as far as, you know, contained stories. Mm-hmm. They tried to do two different things, though. Like Secret Wars for me was, it was clear when you went in that this was going to be universe changing. I mean, they build it as that. Right. And I think, to me, the ultimate payoff for that is what they did to the universe. Um, I thought what they did to the universe was very bold. It was experimental. Um, I think they've made some changes to some titles that I think are really innovative and exciting. They even gave – I mean, like one of the books I'm digging right now is Vision. I mean, if you told me a few years ago, <laughs> like really looking forward to a Vision title, I am. But they also – and I'm, I'm really digging that title. So I think – Taking some risks, trying some new titles, mixing up uh, some of the team members on books like X-Men and stuff like that um, has been an advantage. I'm I'm excited for what Marvel's doing now. So that was the payoff of that event. More than even the story, to me, is kind of the huge changes at Marvel. Convergence, for me, I enjoyed equally, but for different reasons. It was a nostalgia piece. Uh, I loved the tie-ins a great deal because I had read a lot of the content that they were referencing and and kind of doing send-offs too, which was a lot of the point of that story. So for me, it was kind of a nice nostalgia piece, a lot of fan service. It worked for me on that level. Didn't have the impact, nor was it meant to, that uh, Secret Wars did. I think the lasting effect, obviously Secret Wars wins there because it was intended to do that. Mm-hmm. But Lois and Clark, I'm excited for you to read that book because I'm greatly enjoying that. And that's out of Convergence. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that's one of the payoffs of Convergence is the fact that you're able to start doing titles like that. And I hope to see more of, more of the echoes of Convergence uh, appearing in places. But it doesn't have to be. I, I, think, I think Secret Wars did exactly what it was meant to do. It's, that's why I think it's been a great year. Um, just some cool experimental stuff. And uh, Marvel, I think, I think what they did is very bold. Oh, my God, yeah. I, it's, it's not quite a, a, you know, the reboot that, uh, that the New 52 was, but it is a, a way to essentially reset things. Like It's actually closer to, say, a one year later in the way they're executing it, where it's been a few months since we picked up with these characters, and we don't even necessarily need to, need to know what happened in those months, just at where they are now. Yeah, I would agree. Jim, uh, I, I don't know if you actually read Secret Wars, but uh, uh, 
Well, actually, yeah, for that matter, did you read Secret Wars? And for that, you can tell us about Convergence for that matter. Well, um, every time you guys keep saying Secret Wars, all I'm hearing is mwah, 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 mwah. <laughs> you know, just because I'm trying not to get pulled back into the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Remember, I am an addict, okay? <laughs> if you give me a taste, I will go full, you know, <laughs> full all, you know, all in. And I'm trying to avoid that. You're reading Sean killed me with vision because I'm already getting vision. Good. Also, I've already got my – I'm starting to get a taste of some stuff. Are you reading Ms. Marvel? I am not reading Ms. Marvel. Okay. That might – I am not only – right now, the only – here. Yeah. The only Marvel title I am reading is is Vision. And that's just because of the creative team on it. And that's what got me because Sean said, hey, you got to, you know. (sighs) Okay, let me give it a try. And sure enough, I read one issue. I'm like, dang it, I'm in. (laughs) Knowing you as well as I know you and what your actual tastes in in characters are, Ms. Marvel will 100% be up your alley if you ever wind up giving it a shot. It's it's essentially uh, the new Spider-Man of Marvel. Like, th- this is the young character starting off at the very beginning, trying to find her footing in a world where, uh, you know, with the Terrigen Mists being released out there, there's all these new Inhumans showing up, and she's one of them, and she's trying to figure out whether she actually has a place in the superhero reality, and she's become the hero of Jersey of Jersey City the way that Spider-Man would be the hero of New York and so on and so forth and it's 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 got humor it's got personality to it and most importantly it has diversity which is another part of 2015 that I've been very happy with all the different characters of 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 different uh, ethnicities and backgrounds we've been seeing pop up both at Marvel and DC and uh yeah that might be one to pick up and trade I hate you. <laughs> Just so we know that, okay? You're welcome. Since you're talking like, wow, that sounds kind of neat. I'm like, no, stop, Jim. <laughs> she she has she has the ability to embiggen herself. That's what she calls it. She, she stretches her limbs and she embiggens herself and winds up beating up bad guys. Oh boy. <laughs> G. Willow Wilson's writing it too, and it's really good. The the writer of Air, Jim. It's yeah. uh, it's, it's it's. I mean, it's a really good writer. <laughs> See, Sean knows how to get me into this stuff because he starts running off. Well, it's this writer. You know, you remember this when you read that? I'm like, yeah, I read that, and I really like that. Dang it! And j- just like just like when you were on talking about X Men, I'm gonna wind up getting you sucked in again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I want you to know, I did read the first issue of Miss Marvel. Yeah. Uh, I I did find it enjoyable. However, um, I felt like. I, it was not a clean start, yeah. In terms of uh, you know what is going on, and I think a lot of Marvel number ones this year are going to be like that. I completely agree with you. Yeah, no, th- this this is a volume two of Ms. Marvel. It's even though it's titled number one, this is the second volume of Ms. Marvel. And considering that she's had a book for like nineteen issues, it's I would have rather it been issue twenty. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I understand they sell more if they title it number one, but it, you need to have been familiar with Ms. Marvel before this new number one for you to really like get the full story. But yeah, uh, see, the more you're talking, the less I'm likely to get it. Good, keep going, guys. <laughs> keep going. All right, but I like this. Thank you, Brent. You remember Runaways, Jim? Uh, Adrian Alfana does the art. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're now on my list. <laughs> oh, dang it. I like that art. <laughs> Wait, the first volume's collected. <laughs> I'm just oh, yeah. No, and, and all, all the volumes, actually, all of the previous volumes are collected, and there's only four volumes in full. So it is actually really easy to, uh, you know, catch yourself up. 
especially if you go to a place like in stock trades and I was just about to say <laughs> which which you will be able to find it actually hold on i'm bringing it up right now in their search box just to find out how much it costs at the moment let's talk about convergence <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah that, please t- tell us tell us about convergence and you know what guys actually wait before you go into that yeah it is funny though I think one of the problems we have as comic fans nowadays, and it is actually is one of the reasons why people don't try characters they haven't tried before, is there's this sense that you really have to go back to the beginning for a character. Right. I will say one thing with this current Miss Marvel series. If you read the first two issues of it, you do pretty much so catch up. I agree with Brent that it's not a, it's not a, a starting point, you know, issue one. Mm-hmm. The character's already got some history. But I do think in the first two issues, you can get in a, you get a really enjoyable ser- and series and do get to know the character enough that I wouldn't avoid it because you're like, I can't afford to buy these trades or I don't have the time to buy these trades. Right. I think picking up issue one and two, you can jump on and enjoy the series, even though it's not really a, a relaunch per se. Yeah, no, and I, I, I agree with that just on the strength of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one thing that, that I've always found is that if I, if I were to pick up a series in volume two, because of my completionist nature, I want to know where things you know, came from. And a, a lot of a lot of different comic fans are like that, uh, and it's easier to do that now with Comicsology, and you know stuff like Marvel Unlimited. But yes, I I I will side with you on that, Sean. That you do get enough of the character to suck you in, and Jim might be happy to know that each volume is available for nine twenty seven on in stock trades. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, con- convergence. Convergence. You know, I liked the story. It wasn't anything that I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. But it was still an enjoyable read. And with some of those crossovers, some of them I had a obviously I thought were better. I, you know, I enjoyed them a bit more because I had a personal connection to them. I had actually read the original stuff that they were going tying back to and giving us that closure on. And some of that stuff, I had no idea who these people were, what was going on or any of the storylines that was being told because they were either when I wasn't reading or when I wasn't really paying attention. So it was one of those things where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I read the story. Yeah, it's nice. And, you know, you moved on. Thing, My thing with Convergence, I did like the fact that, you know, we got the uh, Lois and Clark story, but also that Titans hunt. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely loving the Titans hunt uh, miniseries, which is also another direct spin out of, you know, the Convergence story. It's, you know, the, the original Teen Titans are remembering the prior universe. So they're starting to gather and it's, they're starting to figure, you know, Dick Grayson is going, wait, I know this guy. I never met this, this Atlantean, but for some reason I know him, you know, and what, you know, and Donna Troy is the new Donna Troy is remembering stuff from the previous Donna Troy. So she's now coming into the play and it's, you know, they're kind of bringing back, the Titans that were the original Titans that that story never existed in this in this current universe. Well, now they're bringing it back, and it's kind of it's going to be a neat thing to see how this plays out at the end of the uh, this miniseries. So, are they almost like being overwritten by their previous versions? They're, I wouldn't say overwritten. They're just they're remembering stuff, and okay. they're starting to. It's like you know they see each other. Like I know this person. Where do I know this person? And there, it, it's there's a couple other powers in play that are starting to manipulate things. And it's you know we're what I think issue three into mm-hmm. it now or two. You know, so they're just starting to lay it out. It's a twelve issue uh, series. So okay, you know it, it's it's kind of a neat thing, especially if you're a, a, the classic Teen Titans 
fan, mm-hmm. this is bringing back that band and bringing back those heroes and bringing them together. Gotcha. What were we going to say, Sean? No, when he was saying that uh, they were overriding, I actually like that part of the story that it's not as simple as uh, they're undoing. Uh, the problem is they have had this full life that they've been living in the new 52, and it's kind of an uh, emerging of them, which is a lot of fun. I actually I, I think that's better than I think we're so used to new continuity changes being undone across comics that it's I think it's nice when an author tries something clever mm-hmm. and tries to do a twist on that and says, well, this stuff did happen. The new 52 did happen. So we're not going to pretend this character didn't have that life. Uh, it's not as clean as it sounds. And I actually like that part. It's it's messy because of the fact that the universe has changed. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, because I, I know I've heard some theories about uh, certain characters that are involved in this. Uh, specifically, I know that uh, there's at least one theory going around that the guy who thinks he's Roy Harper may actually be Wally West. And that mm-hmm. and that there is another Roy Harper out there, the one that we know from The Outsiders, uh, you know, th- that, uh, uh, you know, is still around, but that the one we've been seeing so far might actually turn out to be, you know, previous universe Wally West, so that everyone can get their cake and eat it too. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I would like that because I I, I miss Wally. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what uh, what series did did everybody wind up picking up from Conversions? Because I know that it, it was one of those uh, ones where you could either you know you could pick and choose, you could do none, you could do all, anything. Which I know actually, I mean, going a little bit further into it is that uh, there were. Uh, some sales issues with with conversions because of that because I know that some people felt that they could just skip it entirely and and then just go back to the new 52 afterwards for me this is what got me to buy DC Comics again was like okay I get you know read a few issues with the the characters that I'm already familiar with um that that I you know miss dearly uh, so I went ahead and do, and did so Jim what did you buy all the conversions uh, oh, series yeah uh, yeah, yeah okay. I, I I went full all you know, and it actually, it was the nice bundles from DCBS made it nice and easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> they are good with that. Yeah. What, what was it, What were your uh, favorites of the bunch? Um, probably Nightwing Oracle is the top. Mm. You know that just because that was again it, that was a great story. I love the those two. You know those two characters, and this was the continuation of that. You know, Barbara Gordon Dick Grayson relationship. That, right. I think that's probably my top one um, with the. Uh, the you know the the Superman story that actually spins out into the uh, Lois and Clark uh, current series going on that was another great one because again that was pregnant Lois Lane and you know it's the super it's my Superman you know yeah. dealing with the now his wife's pregnant and just the whole tie in and how it was actually even the they go to the flashpoint you know Batman for the birthday kid and all the, it just the the different t- you know connections they had in that one story that was kind of a neat thing and I was glad he survived uh, through it and um, the Titans also, and I can't think of which name of the, t- I think just Titans was the name of the title, but mm-hmm. it was the, uh, it was basically the redemption of Roy and he gets his little girl back. And I thought that for me was just, you know, everybody, you know, just how we all tormented at the death of this little girl. Well, he got her, he got his daughter back. Anything that fixes cry for justice is fine by me. Because yeah, that- and, I, I thought, <laughs> and you know, and it's, I, it, it's, 
it was one. It was a great emotional moment. So I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad they're. And they did that on a lot of the titles where they gave them that great, just that that ending, that you know, that clean ending, and yeah. just that finish. And there was a couple, you know, characters were like, hey, let's let's honor them one last time before we move on. And I thought that was kind of a neat thing for me. Brent, uh, I know you picked and picked and chose like like I did. Uh, which which ones were your faves? You know, I was really excited about the Shadow of the Bat one. That first issue was all right. Yeah. But the second issue just totally fell apart for me and killed any excitement or nostalgia I was having at, uh, with the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just went in some really weird direction. And I feel like most of these Convergence things, the first issues were strong, and then I just hated reading the same word balloons about, I am Telos and I have brought you here, hi Olivia, to do this and that and fight other worlds and blah, blah, blah. Um, just, you know, I was reading, trying to read a bunch at the same time and it's like, okay, this is going to take four pages. I'm going to skip these four pages because I know what it says. Right. Um, and I felt that some of them would have been better served had they not had to uh, be slave to that plot point across all the titles. I would have liked a conversion title that was just fixing a problem inside one of your dome worlds, and that was it. And then they they weren't, you know, they happened to be one of the ones that weren't chosen to go fight. Um, I forget which one it was. The one where it was current Stephanie Brown Batgirl, the first issue was really strong, and then I think she had to go find somebody to fight in some weird desert place on this Telos planet. And after that, it was like, uh, I totally lost interest in me. Because yeah. the first the first issue was all about dealing with things in Gotham at that time. And then after that, it was just like, well, this looks like an episode of Dragon Ball Z from my childhood. Here's all these weird <laughs> pillar rock things and bushes. And I, I couldn't care less with some of those second issues. Yeah, I I, uh, I felt that way with, uh, with one or two of them. But uh, for, for me... I think of my of the favorites that I had uh were they were definitely things like uh Superboy uh for for one because uh, well you know Khan's my guy and it was nice seeing him in the, in the old leather jacket and seeing a double X and the old crew back involved and taking on Kingdom Come Superman like that was really damn cool so that's high up there for me the Superman one that I would agree with Jim is is excellent and you know did a good job of leapfrogging off into their own adventures and i was a big fan of the art too and that one it was lee weeks on the first issue i forget who did the second one but uh i know lee weeks is doing the art now in lois and clark and doing a great job there so uh, that's another part of it and i'm trying to think of some of the other ones that really hit it for me speed force just to see you know wally again yeah. and and the kids was was right up there, and and the kids weren't anywhere near as annoying as they were in in parts of uh, in parts of the, uh, the the Wally West title as that went forward. So that 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 made me a happy camper. But with with convergence, uh, I mean, yeah, it was it was it was that filler that fill in portion of it. But I was kind of okay with that in the end. I would have liked to have seen. I agree with you. I would have liked to have seen life inside the dome. But because there were two issues, they had to go through that. So it, it's weird because on some on some of the titles, I like seeing that connection to when Telos makes his big uh, broadcast. But it was one of those things where I noticed on a couple of them, they just started it and then they continued the story. So you would know, but not actually went into in depth and were completely locked in on it. Right. Yeah. No. And, 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 that, w- and that was, I think... 
one of the problems with with only having two months to work with is is that they had to sort of rush things forward. You know, when when there's an entire year's worth of story to be told, it's you, you can't bog yourself down too much in that year if you're trying to you know tell I guess you know tie-ins to the story itself. Yeah, the the Batgirl one had a couple cool issue had a couple cool uh, parts with uh, Stephanie where they were showing her kind of life in. You know, in the dome where she wasn't actually wearing the costume and she wasn't, you know, where she was trying to be someone other than Batgirl. And I kind of like that a little bit. You know, it's again, it was something I wish they could have really stretched out a full issue of her. You know, if they would have done a three issues instead of two issues, you know, three parts instead of two parts, they could have had a whole issue just dedicated to life in the dome for right. each of them. And, I, you know, but again. They were set to two issues, so they had to go with it. So, yeah. Plus, I'll point out, I'm one of the guys who actually just read the tie-ins and didn't actually read the series. <laughs> yeah, because I was just I was just more interested in getting to see these characters again than I was even the story of conversions itself. And I I still felt like I got complete stories in there. You know, like I, I still had a, a basic idea of what was going on with Telos and everything, and it was easy enough to just you know pop onto the internet and see what was happening in the main series just to keep myself a rest of what was going on and i mean i know about the conclusion and everything where how you know essentially everything that happened happened <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which i guess is not that complicated but it, in the same time i'm like okay so all these different versions are out there like it's almost like we have hyper time again yeah it's we're beyond the 52 universes now it's into a it's a it's kind of like a true multiverse ish sort of mm-hmm. Whatnot, <laughs> <laughs> multiverse. Whatnot. Let's let's yeah. coin that that phrase and go with it. <laughs> I think the biggest mistake DC's made in, in their history has been when they've tried to clean that up. Mm. It's better just to leave it open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, no, typically when they clean it up, that tends to be their biggest problem. It's that there's a multiverse out there. Different choices led to these different happenings on different planets. This char- character A exists, their character B doesn't. Um, I think leaving the toolbox open for creators is probably the best way to do it. I mean, obviously, we all want to follow one set universe with a continuity that we can understand. But, you know, I mean, if a writer's got a good story that they want to tell about characters from the previous universe, why wouldn't they do that? I mean, it just really, I think shackling writers is kind of a, a big mistake. Um, moving forward. I think right now what you're seeing is a big shift and trend towards you were mentioning diversity before. Mm-hmm. I think new and fresh characters I think is the big trend right now where they're ones that are more diverse, that offer some different storytelling opportunities that are more contemporary. But I don't think that that should mean that you can't pull characters that were in the previous toolbox yeah. and bring them in. And I'm hoping to see more of a balance of Great, fresh, new ideas while opening up to telling some stories from the past that uh, maybe we didn't know before. Because I actually liked that about Convergence. I loved the – to me, the JSA stuff in Infinity Inc. was probably my favorite. Oh, yeah. Being able to see those characters again and seeing them kind of have a, a closure as well and a progression forward and one last run. Well, yeah. I, I, I still <laughs> wish I'd been smart enough to pick up Captain Marvel, the uh, you know the Shazam series that was going on because – that one I know was actually uh, the most popular one out of everything that was coming out and uh, I guess has probably the most staying power for it, but I can't find it anywhere. Like, it, 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 these, the, those two issues go for more than I think, like, all of Convergence combined on the back issue market. 
Really? Yeah. Like, they, they are really popular. I mean, just even considering about it. Like, I, like every single store that I went into, like, they, they had every other conversions title discounted in the discount bins, and there was none of the Shazam. None whatsoever. I'm actually glad to see that's still a thing. Yeah. I mean, because that's something that in recent years, you don't hear a lot of that. And, and when you do, it kind of like takes me back to the day where there's actually a reason to search for some of these books. Because <laughs> <laughs> everything is so accessible now, you know, because of digital. Yeah. And it's nice to hear that there's certain titles where, hey, you know what? This one's just tough to find. Yeah. Uh, I, that's cool that there's a, a market at least for that type of concept. I, I agree with that entirely. And uh, and let, we'll talk, talk a little bit about the uh, the Secret Wars miniseries uh, tie-ins uh, just for a minute. And then, then, we'll, then we'll move on to the rest. Um, Sean, did you pick up any of those uh, ancillary series? I have them. It's They're stockpiled just because of time. Mm-hmm. But I have every intention of reading all of them. I read the main series is mainly what I stuck to. Gotcha. Um, just try and stay up with it. And then I've been reading the number ones as they've been coming out of the new you know, launches that are coming out of the event. Um, and those have been staying very consistent on reading. But as far as the actual tie-ins, I have quite a bit. <laughs> and, and every intention of sitting down and reading them, but I, 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 time-wise, I just haven't been able to. Over winter break, maybe. <laughs> well i i uh i yeah right please over over next winter break <laughs> i i i read years of future past and i enjoyed that a lot the mike the mike norton art was really working for me and uh, the story itself was compelling enough to really get me interested in what was going on um you know it is exactly what it sounds like it's a continuation of you know days of future past in their own little you know side universe with uh with those characters you might be familiar with so that that was really good um for the most part actually it was the uh the x-men stuff that i really wound up enjoying um the uh extension extinction agenda i picked up as well and and read a at least a, a couple of issues of that and liked but the old man logan i think was is the standout of that entire series of of miniseries uh, bendis was the writer on that and uh, i forget who the artist is but he has a very painterly style and really brought new life into the character like past the mark miller version of of old man logan and uh, now that character is running around the uh, marvel universe proper and i'm kind of glad because well again i feel like this this character has its own personality outside of logan himself so that was pretty cool to see trying to think of the others oh the spider-man uh, the Spider-Man uh, Family Values or whatever it was called. The, uh, Renew the, Your Vows. Thank you. Renew Your Vows. There you go. Um, was was pretty awesome just to you know see a Spider-Man that's still married and now has a kid and dealing with all that stuff. And it was a, it was a good way for Dan Slott to, I guess, tell his own Elseworlds <laughs> Spider-Man, uh, which, which I appreciated. Brent, I know you picked up a bunch of them. Uh, what, what was your um, standouts? I liked Thor's. Mm, yeah. The detective Thor's those I thought those were really strong. Jason Aaron, of course, writing Thor, big deal. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, not a surprise. What was strange is that I thought that was stronger than his uh, Lady Thor series in 2016 that ended. I haven't read the first two issues of the new volume, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Some I I like the concept, I like the idea, but something about that way that that book changed storyline wise. I mean, you start off with the God Bomb. I guess it's it's hard to beat that. Yeah. Um, and Assad Ribic's no longer there, even though Russell Dowderman is is doing great. But I think Thor's had Chris Sprouse on art, I mm-hmm. believe. Okay, um, which is really good. I didn't quite know what to make of Ultimate End. It didn't. 
I don't even really know what happened there. Ultimate End almost felt like I was watching a Marvel vs. Capcom game unfold. Like, it, it, it quite literally felt like Doctor Doom's video game. Like, he just put a bunch of characters into a scenario, made them believe they were, you know, the original versions of said characters, and then were like, you know, okay, go nuts, let's, let's see you guys fight, and everything go wrong, what's gonna happen this yeah, time? Yeah, it was like, um... I don't quite know what to make of it because there was, you know, another Cyclops and we were reading Secret Wars and, Cy- you know, Cy- something happened to Cyclops and then, yeah. oh, no, it's he's fine. He's over there. <laughs> he got better. So it's just really confusing with a lot of those things. Yeah. Two Mileses, I guess, apparently. I guess. And I guess I thought that was going to be what Secret Wars number one ended up being. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so when Secret Wars one happened and that was the be-all, end-all. I didn't know what to make of Ultimate End when that started. I was like, why Why is this necessary now? Because when they were billing it, you had no idea that Secret Wars 1 was going to be this massive, you know, universe-on-universe universe battle where nobody was stopping to talk and things just went nuts. Yeah. So the fact that Ultimate End wasn't that, I guess, threw me for a big loop. Yeah, and plus I was I was actually looking for an actual legitimate coda to the Ultimate Universe, and that didn't really turn out to be it. I did read Ultimate End, actually, because I I was a big fan of the Ultimate Universe in general. And it's funny, to kind of what you guys are both addressing here, I liked the story, but I kind of looked at it more as, and I was, I guess I, in my mind, was hoping it would be like this great epilogue to this universe that I really enjoyed. Because I read the Ultimate Universe all the way through from from its initial beginning straight through. And really loved, I think it was... um, Marvel really did a unique thing with the Ultimate Universe in, in rebooting those characters, making them feel contemporary, and actually giving them some legs and, and letting that thing go for as long as it did. And I really enjoyed it as a concept. The epilogue, I thought it was okay. I enjoyed it. It wasn't anything I'm like, I'm sad I read this. But it did seem like contradictory almost to what was going on in Secret right. Wars. So that was the only piece of it. It's one of the reasons why, I guess, when you were asking me that question before, I didn't really connect it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't really connect it as a Secret Wars tie-in. I was more looking at it as this was the end of this universe that I really enjoyed. Right. But I didn't, you know, I mean, it wasn't something I disliked. I just didn't, it didn't, it didn't do what I, ho- I expected it to do. Well, I think, I oh, think for- in the end it was that I think Doom created, again, his own versions of the 616 and the Ultimate characters, which is why you saw, for instance, Captain America running around when Ultimate Captain America has been dead for yeah. forever now. You know, like, it's it just like, it felt like he, he hit the cosmic reset button and was like, okay, you guys go do, like, let's see what happens if the two of you are you know, st- stuck in a room like real world and find out what happens when you stop being polite. Like, <laughs> let's see where it goes from here. And it, it was it was fun enough. It's just, it was very confusing at times. <laughs> and A-Force, by the way, uh, was the other one that I, that I meant to mention before. Um, that one, Sean, you're going to love that because, again, it's more G. Willow, more G. Willow Wilson, but it's all of the uh, female characters of uh, the Marvel Universe getting together as a super team. And uh, their piece of the uh, battle world uh, winds up being, you know, basically, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out what hap- what's what lies beyond their little sliver of the battle world. And uh, that team is going to wind up now being in the main Marvel Universe, uh, at least a version of it, with uh, She-Hulk in charge. And, you know, anything with She-Hulk in it, I'm bound to read. 
Yeah. See, and, and honestly, I got all the tie-ins because I was excited for them. I think the creative teams that they put on them and the concepts that are there are all great. Yeah. It's, yeah. It really was, for me, only a time issue. It's not a, a issue of no interest. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I bought them because I'm highly interested. <laughs> I want to read all of them because a lot of them, especially you mentioned the X-Men ones, I love that they pick certain eras of the X-Men to spotlight. I am an X-Men junkie. Yeah. So being able to revisit those eras and kind of see how they handle them with this is something that greatly excites me. So um, I don't mind that I'm reading them after the event's over. Um, I just I want the opportunity to kind of read that expanded story that they have for Secret Wars. They, live on, they live on their own anyway. So really, I mean, yeah. just, just like Convergence, you can read them basically any time. Yeah, that's cool. I'm excited. I'm and actually, I like that with tie-ins and events in general. They seem to be heading more to that trend, mm-hmm. where the tie-in minis are kind of their own set, beginning, middle, and end stories. And I, I hope it's a trend that continues because I greatly enjoy tie-ins. A lot of times, I don't always have the time to read them as an event's going on, especially when I'm trying. I'm a big fan of Marvel's universe, and when I'm trying to read the whole DC universe and the Marvel universe at the same time, it's better for me to know that like I can get these, stockpile them, read them as I get time, and and just enjoy them for what they are. Well, let's 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 transition a little bit uh, towards a series that we really loved uh, in 2015. Um, let's go with our, our, our favorite ongoing, and then uh, if you want to throw in uh, a series that started this in 2015 that uh, that really caught your eye, uh, we we can go from there. Uh, Jim, you want to go first? Ah, you had to go with me first, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. I saw you sitting back there. We, we want to know what you don't say so we can say things you're not reading and make you pick them up. Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, well, DC side, I'm getting it all. So that's, you know, and that's, I think, my hard part. That's the hard part I have picking my favorite ongoing. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's not about a favorite. It's about my favorite little niche here. You know, my favorite little, you know, when I want the dun da da, I'm going to jump there. If I want, you know, the the comics, the, the if I want the, the dirty, funny comics that I shouldn't be heroes, I shouldn't be reaching, cheering for, I'm, of course, going to jump to Secret Six. You know, it's, I, I, you I know, know I know you. I know I've known you too long, Jim, when I know exactly what you mean when you say dun da da. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it's, you know, it, or if like I, if I want a team dynamic, you know, I'm going to probably. Oh, team see team dynamic, that's a tough call for me because Yeah, see oof, oof, So many. Oof. Yeah, see um I really do like the current uh, JLA story going on with uh, the Dark Side uh, war and all that, and I like that team up of the Justice League. But yes. the uh Superman Wonder Woman team up that's going on in their book, mm-hmm. it's not a team team, it's just the two of them, so it's a duo. I really love just how they're showing those two with their relationship and how they're playing off of each other and just, you know, the before and at now after and the what is going to happen in the future that is going on in that between the two of them. I've really got to say that's probably right. This year has been my favorite partnership team up uh, story going on, you know, and uh, solo by themselves, standalone person, nobody else helping them out is, oh, Oh, I don't think there's really any hero that has a solo. I think they're all <laughs> really doing. Uh, I think, and I think that's the cool thing about this year. They're having s- such strong supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Even Clark, who's away from Metropolis, is still getting his supporting cast. They're still showing, you know, the the different people and just the the people that he does trust along the route, you know, and just his process. So I don't think we have any standalone heroes that are by themselves, really. So I think that's kind of a neat concept. 
everybody's got their own supporting cast and their yeah, own players. I mean, yeah, this year they're really strengthening the support team. Mm-hmm. Like you take a look at uh, Green Arrow, you know, through multiple creators throughout the year, they're still keeping a strong supporting cast. Uh, Aquaman, you know, I absolutely loved Aquaman this year. And, and I thought going through the different creative teams, each one worked with what came before them, you know, told their story, developed it, moved it along. And I've got no complaints on this. The current Arthur that was just in the last issue to me is the same guy that was when Jeff Johns relaunched it. So I think we've got the same character who's had life experiences and growths that has happened. So he's been a story that I've like been going crazy about that. I'm kind of not really picking a favorite, am I? (laughs) (laughs) You're sorry. You're you're doing you're doing close enough, which uh, which uh, I think works works well enough. Uh, Is there a new book this year that uh, that really caught your eye? Vertigo. (laughs) <laughs> anything vertigo okay the the vertigo relaunch was absolutely wonderful and i'm so mad because now i'm back into vertigo i had successfully separated myself from vertigo and they had american vampire and i was able to separate myself from american vampire you know <laughs> just because i said no i'm gonna drop vertigo i'm only gonna stick with dc and then they do this launch you know and i'm like ah you know they got the bundles hey hey we're bundling i can save money oh yo come on it's easy just one click and get it okay and next thing i know i'm hooked in and, just know, when i thought i was out they pulled me back in oh, dude i've said that multiple times on our show every time we talk vertigo <laughs> and, and to the fact you got gail simone writing one of the titles and you know clean room is amazing yeah uh, at uh, burn uh i want i want to say i almost said burn notice and it's not burn notice <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I, th- those those uh, titles uh, I've actually heard some very positive things about, and look forward to reading a bunch of them in trade, like the, specifically the Gail Simone. Like that, I'm sure yeah. that's going to read great once it's all collected. Yeah. Slash and burn is the name of the title. That's go. absolutely a wonderful Vertigo title. Cool, uh, Brent. Uh, what would you uh, say were your standouts? Dude, Star Wars line has been mm. phenomenal. Oh yeah. Um, I, I, I'm agreeing with Jim on the Justice League. Ian, I've continued to say that Jeff Johns' Justice League has been one of the strongest things DC has going. All right. Uh, similar to Scott Snyder Batman. So those are always good trade pickups are no those, matter are what. Are those all in your Comixology account for me to read whenever I want to? <clears throat> um, a lot of the um, the new Robo Batman is not, but okay. uh, the Justice League, half of that is. Okay. But it, Star Wars just blew my mind. Um, I was reading the stuff that Brian Wood was doing beforehand. Mm-hmm. I read like three or four of those, and it was good, but it wasn't like grab me. But something about the way that Marvel was doing theirs is just phenomenal. I mean, Darth Vader, the Darth Vader title is, I think, the best one. Um, the main Star Wars one is really good now. It's got Stuart Eminem on art. But the Darth Vader, Salvador LaRocca, is just killing it, as always, like he did on Invincible Iron Man. I'm a fan of his art, and a lot of people, I, I, I'm sure some people aren't. They think he's a little stiff. I think he's better than Greg Land in terms of, uh, you know, he, I'm sure he uses photo reference and stuff like that. Yeah, I was going to say, is he, still, he just, is he still lightboxing, or is he actually drawing for real now? Quite I neat, think he's drawing for real, but I know okay. that there is a lot of Star Wars stuff that he could go off of, okay. but it doesn't, it doesn't come across... Uh, as the Invincible Iron Man, I know, I think you were saying that it was Sawyer from Lost. I don't see anything from that here. Okay, good. No Sawyer. It's, that makes me happy. <laughs> but he's he's there in you know every issue, every month, doing a fantastic job. And the way that they link them together, um, the Star Wars and, and Darth Vader titles, 
Sometimes they're, you know, they just finished a big crossover called Vader Down where they tried to confront Vader. He had crash landed on this planet Mm -hmm. and uh, the rebels decided to attack him and try and take him out with all their might. And it just, that that Darth Vader title just gives you so much more insight to the power that he has more than any movie has ever done. I am so, so happy that Marvel went full throttle on the Star Wars franchises because they could yeah. they could have easily like just phoned it in because it's Star Wars and it's going to make money. But they put damn good creative teams on there and they've been writing the shit out of them. And let, let's talk about some of the smaller titles. Um, the Lando miniseries, I really enjoyed that. Oh, good for being what it was. Um, it's just it's a really cool heist miniseries. That's Charles Soule, right? Yeah. Okay. That was really good with Alex Milev on art. The Chewbacca one that just ended was was all right. Phil Noto on art. Um, I wasn't in love with it, but it wasn't terrible. I forget what one they had before then. The Shattered, the Shattered Empire, the prequel to Force Awakens. You can totally skip that. Okay. That I felt was unnecessary. Spoilers. It follows Poe Dameron's parents, and that's as much as Force Awakens stuff it gives you. Aww. And doesn't it doesn't really go into anything that happened. Like there's no big world building of here's what happened after Jedi. It's just a little bit here. This parent goes on this mission with Luke. This parent goes on this mission with Leia. Um, the Princess Leia miniseries was really strong with the Dodsons doing a Star Wars book. I thought oh they were God, superheroes. Yes. <laughs> the Dodsons doing Leia was excellent. A lot of political stuff. And, you know, this is my princess and I'm serving her. But you, do we really have any loyalty to these people? They're only half Alderanian. All this stuff was, I thought, really, really cool. Um, they went whole hog on it and I was really impressed. As much as a DC fanboy I am, I'm really impressed how Marvel's keeping their line strong and the Star Wars line just as strong, even though it's kind of a smaller thing going on. And I like how they're keeping it. You have the Darth Vader book. You have the, what's the other one? The main Star Wars book. Mm -hmm. I think the Kanan guy from Rebels has his own ongoing. Greg Greg, Greg Weissman's been been writing that. It's actually uh, limited limited at this point. Oh, it is limited? 12, yeah. Okay. I haven't been reading that because I haven't been watching Rebels. Rebels is great. I, I, have, I, I will straight up say that. I, I I was way behind. I was still in season one, and we, uh-huh. we mainlined just about all of season one and season two in about a week span after seeing Force Awakens, and it gets so good after a while. Um, I was I was hoping they would put it on Netflix to, since see, uh, Clone Wars season six came on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that they would do it season by season, but I guess that's not happening. It, um, so I'll have to might, go seek it out. Yeah, it, it might still happen, but with the whole Disney deal and everything, uh, things have changed a little bit. But you'll be happy to know that there are, and this is not a spoiler, I'm making this as vague as possible, there are Clone Wars characters that show up in Rebels. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there are. I've yeah. seen some things on Ahsoka shows showing up and yeah. stuff like that. I thought that was cool. Yeah, and, um, and, and, uh, and a couple others too. So, yeah, that's all good stuff. I thought, but yeah, so... The best things I've been enjoying month in, month out, never let me down. It's been Star Wars, you know, as well as uh, the Snyder Batman and Justice League. Good. And what's good is that that also counts as your new series because Star Wars was new in 2015. So, hey. Every Star Wars book was new, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to I throw mine out there real quick, uh, and, and then I'll uh, turn it over to Sean, and he can let me know what, uh, what his are. But uh, my ongoing, I'm still going to give the nod just for the conclusion of it to Bendis's uh, X titles because Uncanny X-Men and all new X-Men ended out just as I wanted them to. I was st- I'm still a little bit mad about the Iceman stuff, just a little bit. I understand why they did it. 
still kind of feel like it went a little bit out of out of left field and they forced it. But whatever, Iceman's gay now. That's the way it is. So be it. I'll live with it. Everything else about it, like that issue 500 that came out of, of Uncanny, was a terrific conclusion to just about everything that Bendis had been doing, both in All New and and in Uncanny. And I, I really don't understand why they had to delay that till the very end of Secret Wars. Neither do I. Neither do I. Um, that made no sense whatsoever after reading it. It must have been... It must have been something with the art. I mean, come on. I guess, but that's not what they said. They said that they were. That they said everything was done and that they were just waiting until Secret Wars was over. I know, but I did. I didn't understand why. I don't understand either. All I know is that it was great. Uh, it was a. T- it was a really good extended issue that wrapped everything up in a in a nice bow. Not still a little uh, unsold on Extraordinary X Men and where it, you know leads from there because it doesn't exactly pick directly off but that's part of the jump so maybe maybe they'll explain that a little bit as time goes forward but Bendis' stuff was terrific i i was a huge fan of that sean uh, are you caught up on uh, the Bendis x-men stuff i'm pretty much i'm a little bit behind mainly because i shifted over to reading secret wars and reading some of the new titles as they were coming out right. so that put me a little behind on my stockpile there mm-hmm. i when i'm looking at marvel this year i actually want to echo something both of you are saying um something i'm completely caught up on is star wars yeah and i'm talking about all the minis everything like you i'm watching rebels i think the canaan mini uh, the canaan mini is awesome good and it's it's actually ezra is on rebels you know been kind of like my latch on character just because he's kind of the lead of the show but and canaan was kind of I always liked Kanan, but I wasn't like, you know, oh, Kanan's great and all that kind of – until I read that mini. Yeah. Not a big Kanan fan. <laughs> so it's – I think the quality of what Marvel's doing – you know, you're following Dark Horse who traditionally if you take a look at overall the output that they had of Star Wars, uh, critically it's pretty acclaimed. You know, you take a look at everything they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was afraid when Marvel was going to take it over that it was going to lose some of the depth. I think what Marvel succeeded in doing – Lightning might strike me for saying this. They've brought the fun back. Yeah. These Star Wars books are fun. And Star, I, I think very similar to what I've enjoyed about the new movie, Star Wars was fun to me growing up. There was a sense of wonder and excitement and fun to it. And I think these Marvel books all encompass that. Brent pointed out, you know, uh, some of the miniseries were of differing qualities. But I will say this. I've enjoyed and had fun reading every one of the Marvel Star Wars titles right now. And <laughs> The fun part, I think sometimes we use that as a diminishing term. I think that, to to me, is the main strength to it. It's fun to enjoy Star Wars properties right now. And Marvel's embraced that. They put top-quality creators on there who aren't afraid to have a good time with these characters and really tell some stories that expand what we all know about them and feel authentic. And I'm really having a very good time with this kind of relaunch of Star Wars as a franchise. I think they did the right thing. Not going with the expanded universe. I think the expanded universe is great that it's still there for all of the fans that have really enjoyed that all the way through. And I'm one of them. Yeah. But I like that they aren't shackled by that and they're able to tell stories that are just, just brought back the fun factor to me. And, and I'll also add that I'm very proud of Marvel because they could have been dicks about putting Star Wars stuff on Marvel Unlimited. They could have said, here's a separate uh, subscription service for Star Wars comics. But, mm-hmm. they, but they didn't. Everything. Literally everything Star Wars is now available on Marvel Unlimited. Everything. All the the EU stuff. All the EU stuff, all the Dark Horse stuff, all the old Marvel stuff from the the 70s and 80s, and 
each new Mar- Marvel Star Wars title that comes out, six months behind, just like everything else, winds up on the Marvel Unlimited app. So I can read the first three or four issues of uh, just about all the new ongoings now, which I'm going to because there's going to be an extra point. Uh, Austin, My buddy Austin and I want to uh, talk Star Wars uh, comics uh, sometime in the near future, so there will be an extra point about that sometime in uh, probably next month. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to diving deep, deep into that. Because, like I said, they weren't dicks. Makes yeah. me happy inside. You four, could read all times that Star Wars stuff Awakens. for years. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, absolutely. Although, and the Eat stuff is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong off of that. Well, you know, with what I was saying earlier, uh, I can't recommend the EU stuff enough. If you're like a new Star Wars comic fan and you never touched any of the Dark Horse stuff, yeah. just understand it's a different continuity. But, man, did they go, <laughs> did they deliver a lot. Oh, absolutely. And, and just like with anything, there's – certain series that are higher quality than others, but Dark Horse had that license for a damn long time, and they, for the most part, did a fantastic job with each and every uh, series that came out. And four times on Force Force Awakens now. I've seen it uh, twice in 3D, once in 2D, and once in 70 millimeter in Philadelphia, and uh, at an IMAX uh, in 70 millimeter, sort of 2D giant IMAX screen, which was an experience in and of itself. Uh, I wish I had sat up a little bit higher because it was like <laughs> so all-encompassing. All like you could get dizzy if you looked at it uh, long enough. But I am so Star Wars crazy right now. Uh, I'm going through Clone Wars, the uh, the animated now. Um, I'm in season one of that, and again, I'm all caught up on Rebels. I can't wait for that to start up in uh, in a couple days again. So yeah, give me more Star Wars, all the Star Wars. <laughs> And, and I will add, by the way, that my my favorite series of 2015, since we've all only been talking Marvel and DC so far, I want to throw this out there, Southern Bastards. Jason Aaron's Southern Bastards, I'm reading it in trade, started in March. I, I never would have expected myself to enjoy a, a comic like this the way that I do. Art is is terrific. And uh, and Aaron's crafting this uh, this tale of a you know a southern town, and and a guy going back to it for the first time in years and finding out it's you know being taken over by this big, you know menacing boss character that uh, that runs the uh, the local uh, football team, but is also essentially a mob boss. Uh, really compelling, and uh, the there's a big twist at the end of volume one that then you know changes the book. Uh, as it is to come, you get a boss origin story in in the second volume that was really great, and uh, you're learning more about the characters and everything. And I cannot wait to read the next volume. And like I'm, I'm sort of like urging Jason Aaron to put out those issues as fast as possible so I can, I can get the next collection. Uh, so, so that's where I am on that. Um, and yeah, Jim, add that to your list. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look. La, 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 la. Can't hear you. Can't not, hear you. It's not a Marvel comic either. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, uh, where where are you at on on your uh, your favorite new series and ongoings? Well, uh, for tw- 2015, one of the things that I really have loved uh, is Dark Tower by Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of the Stephen King books. And these are ongoing miniseries. So I don't, you know, it's kind of cheating because it's not really a new series per se. But I want to shout it out because I was very worried. Peter David, you know, had his health scare a while back. And um, he's one of my favorite authors. And 
I was really worried that either Marvel was not going to, if something happened to Peter, that Marvel was not going to finish Dark Tower, but also that something would be lost because Peter really is working with Robin Firth and really gets what Dark Tower should look like. This is a book series that it was seven books for Stephen King. And there's always rumors very similar to the Lord of the Rings and and the Shannara series and stuff like that, that this is going to come to television or film. It's been like in development hell for like ever on that end. Yeah. Marvel's really delivered a very cinematic depth filled comic book adaptation of this that really the way we're talking about and loving Star Wars really is true to the source material, but takes full advantage of what we love about comics. Great artwork amazing visual style and production values that are just through the roof. I can't recommend this enough. If you've never read Stephen King's Dark Tower books, I would start at the beginning of this Dark Tower. It's a miniseries collection. I would go I would go back to the beginning and read it that way. But man, are they doing this incredible fan service. The one that was uh, just most recently ended was The Dark Tower, The Drawing of Three, mm-hmm. Lady of Shadows. And they're not compressing anything. They're giving it the same depth and care that King did in his books, and I'm loving it. And well, that uh, was the best book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very much their treatment of it is phenomenal. <laughs> so um, I'm cheating a little bit because it's not really a new series per se. That's no, fine. Uh, but if I go to my favorite new series, it's my favorite new old series. Secret Six mm. is probably my favorite book all around right now. Uh, It was a series that I loved in its previous incarnation before, and I didn't think it was possible for Gail Simone and the whole team to outdo themselves. She got together with Dale Eaglesham, and they created one in the New 52 that just brought in a great mishmash of villains, but it's not as simple as that because <laughs> you find up, you find yourself rooting for them as these misfits try to fit into a world where they really are considered bad guys. And I like the fact that I'm getting to know them as people by their interactions with each other. Uh, it's We've got characters that are breaking the fourth wall and talking to us outside of the comic, and it's just such a crazy mishmash of really solid, serious storytelling mixed in with amazing humor and great action, and just it's probably the most fun I have reading a comic right now from start to finish. <laughs> I reread every issue of it at least three times. And not because of the podcast, because we don't talk about every single one of them, right. just because it's fun. I just have a really good time reading that book and seeing all of the things hidden in the background that they're doing. There's usually like the main action in the front that we're supposed to be following, and there's always something insane going on in the background <laughs> that just blows my mind. So I'll, after that, uh, I'm Batman. Uh, Brent mentioned it earlier by Scott Snyder. I am a Batman junkie. Batman's the character that brought me to the dance. This is a writer that what he's doing right now with his run and what he's done ever since he started touching the Batman books are going to be things that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, people are going to be referring back to certain trades of this, certain story collections of this is going, do you remember when that was introduced? Do you remember when they did this? This is something that you need to need if you need to read if you want to know more about Batman. Uh, he's making Jim Gordon as Batman work in a way that's outstanding while at the same time giving us a very compelling tale of Bruce Wayne. Uh, he manages to cover all of the bases. And I think every title that has spun out of this 
has only benefited from the tapestries created. So the bat books are really fun to read because this is the centerpiece that really is throwing out really creative, interesting ideas that are fun to follow. And as a Batman, geeky Batman fan, I love that this is a book right now that I feel is on there, not because I'm just a Batman fan, because the quality demands it's there. And there's something really important to that in how that's being published. Grayson is another title that I, I don't feel comfortable throwing it under the Bat Family banner because I'm loving the Bat Family spinoffs, but Grayson in and of itself, the quality that Tom King and company are delivering on that book, um, Tim Seeley, the whole crew, they've made Dick Grayson as a spy work because they didn't ignore that it's Dick Grayson. And every issue, I feel like I'm following my favorite acrobat that I grew up with. Mm. And... I love – I'm a James Bond fan. I love that spy thing, but it doesn't feel like Dick Grayson's being forced into that role. It feels like the spy role's being forced to change because Dick Grayson's in it. <laughs> that, that is a critical component to making a series work with a character that's beloved by its fan base. It's that book and that concept is changed because Dick Grayson's running the show, not the other way around. And that, that's why that book's working for me. Amazing artwork in that book. Mikkel uh, Janin, I'm probably butchering the name. I do want to shout out the artist, though, because I feel that that book has a great energy of great writing talent, amazing art. It just all works. I can't get enough of Grayson. I, I, I'm pretty sure that Grayson is available at, at my public library now, so I'm going to start reading it from, from volume one. Uh, is there a collection of Secret Six yet? I don't know. Okay. It's 10 issues, and let me look. I'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, that's one, if it isn't, I would definitely recommend reading that because you don't need to know anything to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if that one's been collected yet. Yeah. Jim, remember anything about a collected edition? I don't remember seeing a collected edition, but I okay. I wasn't looking too solid for it. I'm assuming they would because it. it uh, I'm pretty sure it's a top seller. Yeah, because it actually looks like they're they're collecting the earlier Secret Six stuff now because I'm on Amazon right now and looking through stuff, but I don't actually see anything for the new series yet, so I guess maybe they're uh, they're waiting until they have enough books out there. Maybe they'll put out a big... 12 issue hardcover or something like that. I hope oh. they do that because I would buy that. I love yeah, I'd buy that again. <laughs> but um, it, I thought I saw the most recent collection that they did was again another collection of the previous series. Yeah. I don't think I've seen one yet of the new series. And yeah. the old series I love, uh, but this new one for people who are like, I never read Secret Six before. Do I need to know anything now? It, it totally embraces the concept of the new 52s and new universe. And uh, starts from scratch with enough fan service for people that had read the previous one and enjoyed it that uh, there's enough links there. And there's some surprise characters. I'm not going to ruin this for anybody who's not reading it. There's some characters whose identities in this are going to surprise you. Okay. Uh, she, She played around with some characters that are not have not been revealed in the new 52 yet. And I think you'll really enjoy some of those reveals in the series. That's one of the things that I really dig about it. Oh, and, and, and some absolutely beautiful swerves and whatnot. Yeah, you know, that got just played through. You're sitting there reading. You're like, "What? Did I just wait? <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, oh my God. You know, there is so many times when yeah, you, know, you know, when I'm reading the thing that you stop and go, "Whoa, what just happened?" <laughs> so, she, so Gail Simone being Gail Simone. 
Oh yeah. Good. Hey, oh yeah. She's you know doing just some amazing stuff. All right. Good. Yeah. Because I I had gotten I think the first two issues of that, and then as part of my great purge, stopped collecting it. But I, if there is a collected edition, or I might just wait for a sale on Comicsology and just uh, catch up that way. And I I so wish that DC would do like Marvel Unlimited and just you know do a you know one price eat as many as you want uh, digital thing. Because if they did, I'd probably be signed up for it already. But uh, just just saying, DC, just just saying. There's, there's one more title I want to shout out, and then I'll, I'll stop there. But it's a, yeah. it's another new one this year, and it's written by Paul Levitz, Doctor Fate. Mm. Khalid uh, is a brand new Doctor Fate. He inherits this. The thing that I love about it, it embraces the creepy nature of magic, while at the same time, you mentioned earlier how Miss Marvel has kind of like that Spider-Man feel because it's a journey of discovery. Yeah, this is a journey of discovery in the magic world. Where there's talking cats and there's you know all of the you know typical tropes that you would expect, um, there's typhoons and uh, world-shattering events that are happening because of the gods that this young kid is thrown in the midst of trying to solve. It it brings in everything that I love about Doctor Fate, the concept of magic and the helmet and the fact that the, there's voices in your head, <laughs> while at the same time embracing the fact that this is somebody who's got to try and have a normal life in the midst of all this as well. So he has relationships. There's a great supporting cast in his family and a, and a you know girl that he loves, you know, all that kind of stuff that you like. It's only uh, eight issues in now, mm-hmm. so it's real easy to jump on. But if you're looking for a series that's something different coming out of DC that touches on the magic world with a character, talk about diversity, this is totally embracing diversity in a way that's not forced. I love that these titles, you mentioned diversity, are ones that they're creating characters that embrace their heritage. They aren't forced into a heritage that doesn't make sense for the character. Dr. Fate works because it embraces this kid's heritage and history. This kid makes sense there. And I hope this is a series that has some legs to it because a lot of these new concepts, when they come out a lot of times, they wind up fizzling just because of the fact that they're, you know, Dr. Fate's kind of a unique concept. It's not one that you think of as one of DC's big superstars, but the history in, in DC is huge and rich. I really love this kid. I love the family. I love the story concept. And it is fresh and new, very similar to what you're talking about with Miss Marvel. And it's what I dig about that book is happening here, but in the in a magic universe and a twist that uh, really works really well. And the artwork is fantastic and really embraces that world as well. Well, one thing that I'll, that I'll add, and uh, from the sounds of it, this seems to be what they're doing here, is that's the way that I prefer it, that, it, that if you're going to do diversity, uh, do it as a legacy character. Don't just recreate a character and suddenly they're, you know, they're black or they're Asian or something yep. like that, because then you're going to have those constant comparisons to what they once were. And, you know, with characters like Dr. Fate, where you have that legacy built in already, you know, you don't suddenly have to say that he is a previous Dr. Fate, only this is what he looks like now. Um, You know, this is just a new character wearing the helmet, and we'll see where it goes from there. That's exactly what they've done. So this character starts off at the ground floor. He's not trying to be anything that he's not. If anything, it's his his cultural heritage makes the story far more interesting. Excellent. it. Is is this the same Khalid from the Earth Two miniseries? Because that no. didn't come across very straight uh, when I was reading it. No, on this new series. No, this so is different Khalid altogether. Yeah, this is uh, this is the Khalid of this Earth, the main Earth, and the idea is there's no connection to the. Pr- he's he's not in any way, shape, or form related to any previous Doctor Fate, at least so far in the way that the story's gone. He's inherited this helmet. He's inherited this mantle, and. 
there, there isn't any, and I'm trying to be kind of judicious in how I say this because I don't want to ruin this book for anybody because I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, I, it really is for somebody who doesn't know the Doctor Fate concept, has never had any experience with it. You can jump on this and you're on board right from issue one. Okay, it's completely brand new. It doesn't tie into anything that's been done previously. It doesn't contradict anything though from the past either. So if you were a fan of Earth Two and what they were doing over there with it, there's nothing in this book that contradicts that. But no, it is. Not, I don't read it in any way, shape, or form as being connected to Earth Two, uh, at least so far. Um, in in the issues that I've read so far, there's been no connection to that, and I actually quite like that. I like that the character's being given a chance on its own. Yeah, and and uh, two uh, two things real quick. Uh, the volume one of that Doctor Fate that you're talking about uh, will be available for uh, is available for for pre order now, and it'll be released on March 29th. So there will be a volume of that out by March. The other thing I wanted to mention is uh, Dark How- Dark Tower is no longer in development hell. It is happening. And, nice. And Ildris Elba will be the star. He's going to play Roland. He's playing Roland. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, they, they officially announced that part, and they're saying that they want to get Matthew McConaughey to play the Man in Black, but n- nothing's official on that yet. It'll just being Roland is 100% official. Like, that's confirmed at this point. He'd be good, too, so I hope that that uh, plays out. I just want somebody good, because Roland's a character with some pretty diverse emotional issues <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and a history to him, and I'd love to see uh, an actor of that caliber pull it off. Yeah. Let's uh, actually, since I did mention the word film, let's uh, transition a little bit into uh, into media. Well, I, I just I just want to make a prediction yeah, on my ahead. favorite title of 2016. Mm-hmm. How come none of my friends told me that Azrael was in Batman and Robin Eternal <laughs> as of last week? They resurrected Gene Paul Valley, gave him a sick redesign. Where was this? Oh, no one told me. Hey, hey now Brent, I got to read this book. Hey Brent, you didn't hear? Azrael's uh, uh, back. Uh, <laughs> and and the best part about 2016 so far is that Comixology has been adding issues of Azrael to a week. Ooh. So I'm gonna be on that like <laughs> butter on toast. Nice. <laughs> let's let's talk uh, let's talk about comics in in other media, uh, whether it be a film or video games or uh, even books, if you want to go that way. But yeah, what have been some of your favorite comic book movies and so on and so forth of 2015? Brent, let's let's roll with you first. Um, I definitely thought Ant Man was the strongest the strongest comic book film of 2015. Mm-hmm. I, can, can we go over what we had? I, well, Kingsman was very strong, even though I didn't read the comic on that one. Yeah, Kings, King, was Kingsman, good. Kingsman was good, but it's just like with Wanted, it uh, it was sort of related to the comic, but not really. Oh, so it's a heavy deviation then? Yeah. Okay. I liked Ant-Man the best. Out of all, all the comic book stuff I remember seeing this past year, I liked Ant-Man the best. Mm-hmm. But we had, so let's, for a refresher for everyone, we had Ant-Man, mm-hmm. Age of Ultron, yeah. Kingsman Secret Service, yeah. And I'm drawing a blank, so fill me in. <laughs> fan four stick. Fan four stick. I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, those were all. I'm trying to think. Were, Was that it? Were there, were there any other movies that came out this year, guys? I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember if, if we're forgetting anything. Are we counting direct DVD too? We could do. We could do direct DVD. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because I, I know that, that uh, DC had a few stuff there, uh, uh, animated wise. Yeah, there was the, the the Batman one. I'm trying to remember the name right now of it, but it was, uh, again, further the current... Versus Deathstroke? Is that the one you're thinking of? 
Yeah, and uh, it was actually the one um, with Damien. It could further uh, the Damien's. Oh, the Court of Owls one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Batman versus Robin. Um, yes, that one. You're which right. was, I really enjoyed that. Then there was that original Justice League one, which I thought was phenomenal. Because uh, what they did was they created their own Elseworlds. Did you guys see that one? Oh, you you mean uh, Gods and the Monsters, Bruce Tim right? One. Gods and Monsters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, saw the, uh, I saw the web shorts. I haven't actually seen the movie yet. The movie's phenomenal because okay. it really embraces – I'm a huge fan of Elseworlds as a concept. I think it's something that I would love to see DC bring back mm-hmm. with top quality creators again. And not always – it doesn't always have to be Batman. And don't get me – which is crazy. I'm such a Batman junkie to to say that. But I really liked this one because it did it with Justice League. It really took Justice League and wiped the slate clean and said, well, what if we created them with different characters being Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman? And then, you know, everybody else. And really embraced the concept of how this world would change with these different characters being in those roles. And I loved every minute of it. I thought the visual styling was great. I want to see more of it, which – I don't care if they do more or not. I think anytime you see a self-contained miniseries or you know mini story, you should at the end kind of go to yourself. I'd like to see more of that. I'm interested enough that I want to see more of it, and I really was with that one. I thought that was cool. I definitely need to watch that. Yeah, no. I, in fact, I think uh, I think I have it on my Netflix queue. So probably will be the next Blu-ray that comes to me once I actually turn over the discs I've had for way too long <laughs> that I really need to ch- bring back to Netflix. Like, I'm, I'm paying for them to to have me hold their discs right now. Like, I really need to get on that. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, I definitely want to touch that. Uh, the, the, and I, I don't think it's streaming anywhere, which is a shame, because uh, I, I think that deal that, uh, that Netflix had with uh, DC has since lapsed, because there's not a lot left on there. It has. They, there's a lot of straight-to-DVD Warner Brothers stuff on HBO right now. Oh, really? Um, but it's, I think it's mostly older stuff. I don't know if there's any of the newer stuff on okay. there. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'll, I'll, I want to touch on uh, – I'll, I'll say my favorite movie. It's, it's, it's Ant-Man, Big Shock. I, I, I didn't expect it to be anywhere near as good as it was. I was really worried about it with Edgar Wright dropping off the project the way they did it did and them having to essentially reboot it while they were – filming it in a lot of ways and uh, it actually turned out great uh paul rudd had personality uh the entire cast worked for me um i i now really enjoy an older hank pym i wasn't expecting that at all but uh you know when you have an an actor of of that class playing hank pym it's kind of hard not to like it but yeah no overall i was very impressed with that and uh you know when it comes to other media i mean obviously flash was great and continues to be great um arrow this season of arrow started off a little slow for me but i has i've since really caught on to it and i'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in this uh, second half of it I, I i i gotta say about arrow i am really upset that they spent all summer long talking about how this season of arrow is a lighter season a lighter season lighter season <laughs> and yet the beginning episode starts off with that fucking gravestone <laughs> and now it appears because we will find out this week, I believe, if I'm not incorrect. Yes. We'll find out this week or not if Felicity did survive whatever happened to the, the last episode. Oh, Felicity survived. Um, it's it's someone else in the grave. It's way but, too uh, easy for it to be Felicity. I know, but it's just it just pissed me off. It's like, oh, we're going to have a lighter season. In that fr- I really like that first episode where they were, you know, having a weird dinner party and, <laughs> you know, 
Oliver was enjoying it, and Felicity obviously wasn't, and he was going to propose, and <laughs> it felt really fun. It was like, oh, they're they're going to do, they figured out what Flash has been doing for a whole year that they should they should be doing as they move further and further away from the Dark Avenger into the comic book character, Yeah, and it's almost like they're just throwing all that away. I'm so, I'm really disappointed and upset with Green Arrow, unless they've figure out a way to to turn it around again uh, we'll see we'll see where it goes man because i've i like i said the last couple episodes i've really been enjoying uh a lot more than i did the, be- the beginning of the season so we'll, we'll see where it all turns out but and i've got to say about ant-man the way i don't know what the hell and we'll we'll probably never know mm-hmm. what went on with edgar wright yeah but for the way for that that movie should have been doomed Oh yeah. So whatever whatever Edgar Wright's issues were, either they really hired uh, Adam McKay and Paul Rudd really did an overhaul on the script and saved that film, or Edgar Wright was just being a diva and just <laughs> left because he wanted to leave. Well, Those are the only two outcomes I can see. Because no, you, no, what the actual outcome was, Brent, and this happens all the time in Hollywood, is that when you bake a bread too long, it burns. And Edgar Wright has been was on this project for years, years, right. basically since before Iron Man. Yeah. Since before Iron Man, or if not really close to uh, Iron Man. And when you do, when you work on something that long, you have this idea in your head of exactly how you want it to be. And you're not willing to take compromises. And that's, and that's what I feel like the major downfall of Edgar Wright was on this project is that he had this idea in his head of what he wanted it to be, and he wasn't listening to any outside sources. And I, I, I know that the the train scene and all that was Edgar Wright's, and that was excellent. I mean, it's still my favorite part of the trailer, and it turned out to be great in the movie. But there were other parts of it that I know got jettisoned. That it's like the the Ratatouille movie uh, from Pixar. Like that originally was going to be really different. If you see the animatics that are included on the DVD and Blu-ray for that, there are it would have been a darker, dreary movie, uh, mostly about the chef and not about uh, you know the, uh, the the rat and uh, and and his friend. But instead, they made an excellent movie and one of my favorite Pixar's to date. And I think that's what had to happen here with Ant Man is it needed to go somewhere else than what Edgar was envisioning. Yeah, I'm just that's the only things I can think of uh, watching that movie. I'm like, this movie's great. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. I was going to say I haven't seen it yet. It's oh. <laughs> it, it, it's it's worth it's worth seeing. It definitely is. It again. You should be it, ashamed of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I I oh, let me really upset all of you. I still haven't seen Star Wars. <laughs> what? Well, I'm Get glad I didn't accidentally say any right spoilers. Well, you, don't yeah, worry. Really. It's already. The, the the big spoilers have been spoiled for me right, already. Well, either e- either way, I'm not going to say any on the call. Yeah. Just just go, go go do that. Come on, stay <laughs> up now, Jim. You know, every time I go to every time I I set aside the time to actually go see Star Wars, uh-huh. something happens, yeah. and it's either a family issue or this or that. And it, I it's it's like Star Wars is cursed for me because I want to see it and. I want to see it in 3D. I want to see all the different versions of it out there. And every time I'm like, oh, okay, get ready to go, phone rings. I'm like, dang it, man. What is Jim, it? I, I know what you should get Dr. Norge for his birthday is tickets for him to accompany you to Star Wars yes. so that he can ensure that you see it. <laughs> 
what actually, you, you know, saying. Brett, I couldn't love you more in this moment. I would <laughs> it again. I, I need I need time number three. There you go. Boom, <laughs> boom. Make it happen. Make it happen, Jim. You will be in that theater, and you will see. Just like Sean, do you own the Blu-ray for Ant Man? I do. Well then, Jim, you're inviting yourself over to Sean's house. <laughs> it's more like as he kicks him out the door at the next recording. Oh yeah, here's the Blu-ray. <laughs> no, uh, Ant-Man is actually it's better than Age of Ultron. That much is a given. Uh, Age of Ultron was good, it just wasn't great. Ant-Man was great for me. It, it the characters that they build in that like I would have never expected uh, the character of Ant-Man to work so well on the screen and they make his powers cool and they make just about everything going on there cool. Yes, it's the exact same trope that Marvel always uses with a villain, which is like, you know, I'm the evil version of you, which we've seen like four times now, but it it works in the overall story and I look forward to seeing what they'll do in Ant-Man 2 now. Um, perhaps with a, a, an expanded role for Evangeline Lilly to come, but we'll, we'll see where that goes. I, before I say anything else, and I'm going to hand it over to, to, to Sean and Jim to say their things soon, um, i got to say, better than Flash, better than Arrow, better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm catching up on it, Brent, so I'm, I'm, I've now watched the episode with, with, uh, with Simmons, so that's, that was really awesome. But better than all of that, the best television series that I have watched in 2015 and now I'm watching, I I finished it in 2016, One Punch Man. Oh, not that. (laughs) One Punch Man is an anime, okay, that came out, it's it's also a manga that's available, uh, at least the first three volumes are now available uh, uh, for purchase uh, here in the U.S. Anybody who is a fan of Superman will love One Punch Man. It's a story of a guy who trains so hard that his hair falls out. Like he, 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 he basically like he decides he wants to become a hero. So he just trains, 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 trains. Hair falls out, and he can't find anybody who can take him on. Every single person that he faces is down in one punch, and he just goes around trying to find competition. And it, it reminds me of what would happen if Superman didn't actually have competition. And it works so well. Uh, the anime is only I. Think, think 10 episodes if i remember correctly so it's very easy to sit down and watch uh, there there will hopefully be a second season of it coming soon but there's there's other heroes in it there's a whole hero organization uh, which reminds me of uh, of say like a heroes for hire scenario uh, there's different tiers of heroes so you've got like the ones really low down like one guy who just rides a bike everywhere and uh, and winds up trying to you know take out, take down local villains and uh, there's a cyborg character which winds up becoming like the disciple of uh, One Punch Man, and uh, you know, teach me your ways. And One Punch Man tells him everything that he did. Well, you know, well, I would train every day. I'd run a mile, and uh, and the cyborg's like, but that's just basic strength training. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely worth your time. I mean, both both you, Sean, and Jim will love One Punch Man. It's available on Hulu. Uh, with so so subtitles so if you're if you're willing to sit through it that then do that but there's also a website called Daisuki which has it all streaming available on there that you can watch on your computer or you know connect it to your TV and watch it via HDMI um, and that as long as you sign up for an account for that you can watch it for free in 1080p with uh, with really good subtitles so one punch man remember that and watch it i want i want to hear back from you guys on this at some point because <laughs> I, actually, I actually will watch that it sounds fun it is a lot of fun yeah and brent brent you might actually like it too 
Yes, I, I you. will give it a shot. It's on Hulu. I, I could give it a shot. It is on Hulu. I thought you yes. were going to say Jessica Jones, and I was going to vehemently disagree that that was the best thing of 2015. Jessica Jones is second. Daredevil best thing. was still better, still better, I, and that was 2015. I, I, I disagree. I think that Jessica Jones was better. Uh, <laughs> I, I, for me, Daredevil was better. Better. It had the better villain. Vincent D'Onofrio killed it as Kingpin. I love every second of that performance. Kingpin's car great. door, car door, car door, all day long. Kingpin's great, but, but evil Doctor Who is is just damn awesome. <laughs> My favorite yeah, so part I've of it. I've never seen Doctor Who, so this the only time I've seen David Tennant was in that bad um, horror remake he was in, where he was the magician. You mean the, the great horror remake that that he was in? Because I love that movie. <laughs> uh, it was okay. I don't know if it was Fright Night great. you're thinking of, by the Fright way. Fright Night, yeah. yes. Yeah, Fright Night was great. I liked it a lot. I've only seen that in this, and he's a good actor, but wait, wait, I like Daredevil better. Hey, hey, Jim, have you seen Jessica Jones? I have not seen Jessica Jones. I have not seen Daredevil. Oh, Jim. <laughs> Take a vacation. Catch up with the world. You're just going to have like a week of like media catch up. Like you're just going to be like, oh, yeah, no, guys, I'm really sick. <laughs> Netflix. You know what? I don't even have a Netflix account. <gasps> Good night, everybody. <laughs> one, one month free trial. You could just keep canceling it over and over again. Uh, I, for some reason, I never trusted Netflix. Why? I just I get this bad uh, mojo from them. <laughs> they, their mojo is a lot better than you think. They've never done me <laughs> wrong. I've I've had a Netflix account for over ten years now, and they've done, since even before they did streaming, and it's uh, it's a really w- worth it service, especially if you're looking to catch up on old stuff. See, I'm always worried whenever you know streaming services online because you know there are viruses and all types of creepy, uh, creepy crawlies out there that I always, I, I just you know I don't trust people. Well, don't, I, don't you have a PlayStation Three or something like that? Or no, or, oh, I don't? do not have any game system. You don't have any game system? Okay, all right. Because I was going to say you could use that for your Netflix streaming, but uh, Netflix itself, you don't Chromecast, have to. Chromecast thirty five bucks. Yeah, Chrome, Chromecast thirty five bucks. That would that would do you well. But uh, Roku one, I think that's fifty bucks. Yep. Any streaming uh, service would be able to do you well for that. But Netflix itself, you don't have to worry about them giving you viruses uh, unless your virus is watching, sitting down and watching something and forgetting that it's been twelve hours. Yeah, there, there are certainly viruses to catch, but they're not of the computer kind. They're of the procrastination kind. Yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, Sean. Uh, let's let's go with some of your uh, favorite. Uh, media uh, of the year. I just want to go back because you guys were talking about uh, Jessica Jones and Daredevil. Yep. I'm a Daredevil junkie. He's another character. Um, Miller's Born Again, when that hit, just turned me into a Daredevil convert, and I've loved the character ever since. I thought the handling of that on Netflix was bar none phenomenal. I mean, they just really got to the core of the character. But where, where I'm going to go to Jessica Jones and, and back to Ant-Man for a second um, and I'm actually going to throw iZombie in this as well. Good, good I, point, yeah. I really love the handling of some of these lesser-known comic properties on television or in film. Ant-Man, I think what was such a surprise with that for me was it reminded me of what I loved about Guardians of the Galaxy. Instead of phoning it in with a property and treating it like a second-tier property, they treated that like a top-tier AAA property. That film watched like that. And in its own way, because they did that, it was fun and unique and something different. Jessica Jones did the same thing. That was, I think, 
every bit as much the strong delivery that I got from Daredevil. And I love that I'm comparing it to a series. Daredevil just nailed it out of the park. Yeah. And I was an easy sell on that one because I'm a Daredevil fan. Jessica Jones surprised me because it gave me a very similar experience in quality. And I think that's really important. And iZombie, the same thing. I was a big fan of the comic book. Would have never guessed they were going to put that on TV. Never guessed they delivered on TV with the same kind of quality that I'm getting in things like Arrow and Flash and, and Gotham and Supergirl. But they've been doing that with that series, and I'm really embracing what's special about that. That's I want to see more of this. Um, that's how I, less of what they did with Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let us not let us not speak of the Fant Four stick, okay? That came, that went. It will never be spoken of again. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I had it pegged. Anyone, anyone who knows me knows I had it pegged long before it happened. And some of the trailers that came out, people were like, "Oh yeah, no, that could that could turn out good." And it flopped. It flopped miserably because Fox didn't know what they were doing, and they like it's like they told Josh Trank one thing, and then right as he was about to film it, they came and told him something entirely different. It was doomed. It was absolutely doomed. Yeah. Yeah. No pun yeah. intended. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, and since you mention it, how freaking hard is it to get Doctor Doom right on the small screen or the big screen? I mean, come on. Jim, is this the one comic book movie you did see this year was Fantastic Four? <laughs> it ruined no, the I didn't. Good. <laughs> I'm going to be consistent. I did not see Fantastic Four. All right, good. Jim, wait, I bought it for it. It's great. <laughs> Uh, please, if you're going to watch a Michael B. Jordan movie, watch Creed. Okay, that's oh, Creed that, was awesome. Creed is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> don't watch Fan Forstick. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and for that matter, who designed the damn logo for that? Because it, it became a joke the minute it came out with the the freaking four right in the middle of the word fantastic. You want people to make fun of you? Make it so that you can call it Fan Forstick over and over again. Go ahead. I, the first two, the previous two, you know, had their share of issues, but I found them enjoyable. They were fun. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you look back at those at least and go, what worked with those? Because I, I know some people really bash those. They had the family feel, right? I don't, I don't. I don't have that feeling with them. I actually, I will. Re, I'll rewatch those. I enjoy them when they're on TV. Um, were there elements of it that could have been a little better? Sure, but they were good movies. The, how do you look at those and go, hmm, let's do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, 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 let's jettison almost every bit of superhero and make it a straight sci-fi movie. And then at the last minute, in the last 20 minutes or so, make it into a, a superhero movie again. Like, ooh, yeah, that, that's, that screams of meddling. Uh, no, thank you. Get Dr. Doom right. Get him right! Can we talk about Star Wars just a little bit? Oh, of I course we can. A, I know it's not a comic book film, but that it's was still sci-fi. That's it. It's easily yeah. my favorite film of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I don't care about Academy Awards or you know Golden Globes or different things like that as far as for films. This one was nonstop. It took me back to my childhood. It was nonstop fun. Yeah. I know. Um, I don't want to spoil any story for you, Jim. I know it's there. You've already gotten things spoiled for you, but. I know one of the criticisms of it is uh, that there's elements of it that are close to A New Hope. Yeah. I get that. I can see that. All I got to say is I was mesmerized from start to finish in the film. I really loved the experience 
all the way through. I walked out smiling mm-hmm. afterwards, yep. and I wanted to walk right back in the theater and see it again. Oh, absolutely. And and that was where it was a home run to me. I wanted to walk right back in. <laughs> the funny the funny thing is, Sean, is I had tickets for Thursday and I had tickets for Friday. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 saw the uh, the first two times I saw it. Uh, we we wound up originally we were going to see Star Wars for the first time at this other theater, and Chris's uh, old Star Wars line people came through, and we wound up uh, seeing it at the Zigfield in uh, New York, where they used to do the Star Wars line uh, on on day one, and we saw it there again on day two, both times. In 3D, and it was oh, it was an experience. My my father passed away that same week, and I'm not saying to bring it down. It's more of to emphasize something. We were going to yeah. go together to see this one, so I had tickets for the two of us. I went on my own. Mm-hmm. When you're at your lowest point, and you can walk out of a film and go, "Oh my gosh, that was awesome!" Oh, yeah. <laughs> that says a lot for the quality of the film. I went later that weekend with some friends to see it again, and really knowing everything that was going to happen in that film from start to finish. I literally, even after the second viewing, I wanted to go back in again. That's why I was joking earlier saying, you know, if you could get Sean a birthday present, Jim would be to kind of, you know, go to Star Wars. <laughs> it's true. I would go see that movie again in an instant and love every minute of it. And there's been a lot of great film out. I just saw Hateful Eight recently and Revenant, and yeah. those are great from Creed I saw. You know, so there's been some really quality movies that I've seen lately. I want to go back and see Star Wars again. <laughs> and, and, and I'm glad you mentioned Creed again because uh, that's something I need to bring up is that uh, – Two movies this year were essentially reboots with while still respecting what came before it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what Star Wars The Force Awakens was. It took a lot of what came before, not even just uh, A New Hope. It took bits of Empire and it took bits of Jedi. It all put it into one, one package and made it work. With Creed, it essentially is almost you know beat for beat what happens in the first Rocky, but... It's retold with a with a new generation, and uh, you know Rocky in the role of uh, of the coach this time around, and it all works. It all works excellently, and that's that's something that Star Wars did. But Star Wars: Force Awakens was still not my favorite movie of the year. What was my favorite movie of the year? Shiny and Chrome. Mad Max. Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, that was great. Mad Max Fury Road was life-changing for me like to to see a movie pull off practical effects the way that that movie did and uh, to just uh, it, it 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 captured me like like no other movie in my life ever has it's just it was probably one of the best action movies of my life no question about it people don't know this that um ian actually wasn't able to record to the mic he just got out of prison he's driving around a car now with spikes on it <laughs> part of his head shaved that's how life-changing this was for him i have one of those <laughs> guitars that shoots fire and everything it's it's great really it, absolutely <laughs> shiny and jucrome <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it's just I I look forward to seeing that again in a few weeks. I'm I'm going every year. Uh, my friends and I do the uh, the AMC uh, Best Picture Showcase, where they show all eight movies over two weekends. So that'll be one of them because it's up for Best Picture. Yay! <laughs> that, was, that was that was really a good movie. I re- I really enjoyed that one. The reboots this year. One of the things that I thought that they did really well is uh, they embraced what worked in the previous ones, but they introduced new characters and new concepts to those stories that I thought were very believable and weren't watered down. Because a lot of times when they introduce the new things, because they're so focused on the beats that we all know and love, they don't give the same kind of depth and care to that. And I would say all of those movies you mentioned, Creed, 
Mad Max, Star Wars, they have that in common. The reason why they worked is when they did something new, there was a reason for it, and there were some legs to it that can lead into further movies in those series. Yep. Um, I want to see Creed again because I actually liked the new – I liked Creed's son. I thought he was a really believable character. Yeah, he yeah. was the focal point of the movie. Star Wars, Ray, Finn, you know, those were great characters that I want to see more of. The same thing in Mad Max. The new characters and concepts they put in, the way that they modernized it and made it feel very today and contemporary, all of that stuff worked. It was it, Those films all have that in common. I think it's, it's really where we need to go with your relaunches. Instead of trying to redo the exact same story over again, yeah. give us something new so that way we as fans who enjoyed the original material feel like we're getting some new content with some legs to it. And uh, speaking of Ryan Coogler and Creed, he is going to be the director of Black Panther. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I love Black Panther. I cannot wait for that. I hope hope it's every bit as good as the other uh, ones that have come out. Um, Like, you know, if that's as good as Ant-Man, I'm going to be the happiest camper in the world. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, and and for that matter, uh, Civil War, just just go ahead and put Civil War into my veins intravenously. Like, I I cannot wait for that. It just looks so goddamn good. (laughs) Oh, the trailer, the trailer. Like, I've watched that trailer at least 12 times. Like, it's just, oh, everything looks like it's right. It better be right. I know you disagree with me, but I watch that trailer, and I watch the BVS trailer, and I get more pumped for BVS than That's I do from the Civil War trailer. Good, good for you, Brent. Good for you. You're a trooper. But uh, I'm glad that we're gonna, you're gonna see it. I, I am. Yes, I am going to see Batman versus versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Even if I uh, still kind of get pains thinking about Man of Steel, I, uh, I'll, 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 I'll live on. Now, if only we could uh, have a maybe that we, that's a Patreon thing we could do. This much money, and that's we get, you get to drag Jamal to it. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> All right, you have more of a chance. You seriously have more of a chance of me dragging my mother to see Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice than you do Jamal. Like it's it's not happening, dude. <laughs> Jamal is done with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna insist that be a reward perk for his next Molly Danger GoFundMe or whatever, and I'll I'll do that one. Well, yeah, there there is a Patreon. There, you know, by the time this episode comes out, you'll have information on our Patreon. But one of the goals is going to be if as long as we raise fifty fifty dollars off the bat. Uh, it'll be myself in Philadelphia seeing Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice with uh, Brandon, and uh, we'll be recording a bit there after seeing it. So, yeah, I I, I will be sharing. Hopefully, not the pain with <laughs> with with Brandon. I know both Sean and Jim like Man of Steel, and you're welcome to. It just was not my thing. Yeah, everybody's entitled to their opinions. You can be wrong. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> it's okay. You know? It's a free country. You can, you know, you can state the wrong opinion. You know? <laughs> Wait, does that mean that you want Batman to win then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does it? Yeah, so, so then I don't know that you. See, I don't know that you have a wrong opinion then. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. All I know is after seeing the trailer, I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman the most, which means I'm probably just going to look forward to the Wonder Woman movie more than. Dawn of Justice, because that looked really good, that part. The Trinity part of the trailer, I really enjoyed. I, actually, the whole trailer, I really like that the trailer uh, really embraced 
the concept of Batman and Superman's relationship, you know, that we know in the comic books at time, they have philosophical difference between the two of them. I'm glad that they're embracing that. Wonder Woman, man, you know, people really ripped her casting apart when she was originally cast. Man, did she look good. I mean, that was, uh, they really did a great job of giving her a costume and a look that fits her body type. And she looked every bit Wonder Woman to me, and I'm I'm really thrilled for her. And I'm I hope the movie delivers. I want the movie to deliver the way that Star Wars did for me, as far as fun. I'm big on fun this yeah. year, and I think that's something that's been lost in the intensity. A lot of times, you know, everything's got to be so intense that you forget that there needs to be a fun element to it. Right. And um, I really want Batman v Superman to be fun. I, I'm excited for surprise appearances by some of the other heroes. You know, I'm not so much surprised, but I mean, what are they going to look like? Who are they going to be? Because we know that I think the rest of the Justice League are all supposed to be at least making cameos in this. Yeah. I don't know how true that is. Um, you know, and, and what that's going to look like. I hope that's not overdone and doesn't take away from the main story. But I really want that film to be great. Uh, because that's supposed to be the launch to Justice League and and introducing you mentioned the Wonder Woman film, you know that one I'm excited about because they're talking about the World War II nature of that baby and yep. I, I want I want to see that I want to yeah. see that kind of history. World War One. Oh, is it one? It's one, which we yeah. don't see that often. Yeah, yeah, which is good because I, I even better. Yeah, they avoid the comparisons to Captain America by having it be World War One instead of World War Two. So that's good that's point. actually that's that's good for them. Still a little bit worried that they had to give away that Doomsday reveal in the trailer, though. Like that still kind of feels like something that would have worked a lot better had it been, remained secret. It, it's just like it's still, he said that's that's not the last thing. Like all right. Don't expect that to... Well, so this is what I don't understand. We all knew they were going to have to come against something because we had the shots of them coming together. So why is it a big spoiler when, like, you watching Ant-Man or watching Star Wars or any other uh, comic book movie, you know who the villain is? Yeah. I don't, I don't, get, I don't get why people are so upset about that. I don't, I don't know. You, it would just... be, you would be upset if a Marvel movie came out and didn't tell you who the villain was. Not when, well, okay, well, Civil War uh, is just a battle between the two. When, when, okay, when the no, movie's... I'm not, I'm not comparing to Civil War. If, if Iron Man 3 was coming out now, right? and they're like, it's Iron Man 3, it's this, 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 oh, but we're not going to tell you who the villain is. You know, they really didn't. You'd be like, what the heck, guys? They really didn't in the oh, Okay, that's Iron a terrible one. Uh, it's a terrible one to pick because yeah. of that plot line, but <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, all I'm Here, saying, Doctor Strange is coming out. Yeah. They're not there. You know that Chiwetel Ejiofor is supposed to be playing Baron Mordu, but yet he's apparently not the bad guy. Mad Mickelson's the bad guy, but they're not telling you who that is. All I'm all and, I'm all I'm saying, I, Brent, I is that in a movie called Batman v Superman, when you know you're expecting the battle between Batman and Superman, and you show in the trailer when they stop fighting and they start fighting Doomsday. I don't know. I just feel like it wasn't necessary. I would have rather have just seen it in the movie itself. But maybe the I hope the movie will prove me wrong and there's more to it. But kind of felt like overkill. Actually, here's the thing. I don't have any issue with what they showed in the trailer at all. Mm-hmm. But I do agree with you that I I hope there's more to it. Oh, I mean, yeah. If, yeah. if that if I don't like trailers that give me everything, I don't mind trailers that excite me. That trailer excited me. Yeah. So the, <laughs> no, no Terminator <laughs> Genesis. Um, yeah, that was awful. I, I wanted to see. The Trinity together, mm-hmm. and I was glad they gave that to me. Yeah. If that's the big reveal, and they showed that in the trailer, 
that's just plain stupid. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, only in the sense that, you know, you want people walking out of that film amazed. Yeah. So that hat gives me hope just because I thought the trailer itself was amazing that the film's going to be. It's got to have more surprises in store. It's got to have more moments that make me go, wow, yeah. other than that. If that's all they've got is what was in the trailer, we're in big trouble. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think there's going to be a lot more there to the whole story, especially because of the fact that we're we're ignoring the fact that Lex Luthor is a major player in this one. Right. And <laughs> shown of him, I think, has been phenomenal so far. Yeah, and, and I, I, I await Lex Luthor adding me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh stop <laughs> all right let's 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 move on to other pastures here specifically let's talk let's talk about and this will this will round us out for for the year and we can you know maybe just talk about what we're, what we're looking forward to in 2016 a little bit but um let me know uh a book or even a property uh that might have existed before 2015 that you first discovered in 2015. Uh, something that is old that is new to you. Um, it's something that we usually touch on at least one way in the in these episodes. And uh, I'm wondering uh, if if you had any experiences like that this year, uh, Jim. Anything for you? I'm confused on the question. <laughs> something something that existed before 2015 that you've discovered in 2015. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, let's see here. Not a not comic book related. Mm-hmm. But most recently, I've discovered uh, Black Sails. Okay. Yeah, that's been a, it's a couple seasons now. It's on uh, Stars, and it's a uh, you know, original TV show that was, I think, started in uh, 2014 or 2013. And you know, I didn't really watch it until just you know, you know, a little while ago. I'm sitting there, and I was just channel surfing, and I caught one episode. Next thing I know, I'm like, okay, let me go back through on demand and watch through all those things. That was just an absolute, just wonderful thing going on there. Um, on the the comic book side, it's weird with the, you know going through with the you know the fact that I get so much of the DC universe that I'm not really missing any stuff. But like any, like, uh, any, like any series you revisited this year that uh, that you know maybe in your back issues or anything like that. Well, I'm always going back to uh, some of the Titan, you know, the Teen Titan stuff and mm-hmm. all that. And I, I've read a, I, I went back through and read some pre, you know, the pre New Fifty Two stuff with uh, some of the Bat titles and some of the Superman stuff, especially when they had uh, the Convergence was coming down. Yeah, you know, I went back and I read. You know, just the, the Lois and Clark stories that were going on back then. Just kind of just revisited the past. saying, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, went through and I did a major reread on uh, Wonder Woman this year, just because again, the char- current character, you know, really with her and her Superman relationship was awesome. And I've got the the Gail Simone collected edition, so I went nice. back through and I just started rereading Wonder Woman again, just because I was so Wonder Woman happy. I wanted another, you know, some read some more of the stories. Cool. Uh, Sean, and anything uh, pop out to you? I got two things. Uh, one on the comics, and it isn't it isn't new this year, but I feel like I really understand it this year in a way that I never appreciated. Archie, um, Mark Wade's Archie just really made me understand. I remember the cartoon when I was a kid, and I remember enjoying it, but I never considered myself like a major Archie fan. I had issues of the comic that I got from flea markets. I would page through them quickly. I, I don't think I ever really gave it a, a full chance. I heard good things about Mark Wade, and I, I love Mark Wade. 
So I heard good things about him doing Archie, and I am loving that book. <laughs> so it was really a property that is something that I've never touched on previously, and I'm really digging as a concept because of it, to the point that I actually want to read some of the older stuff just for comparison purposes, just because I, I kind of want to get my head around it. The other thing is it's a video game, actually, but it has a lot of lore and has a book series that goes along with it, The Witcher. I... My first exposure to the Witcher universe was Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, which came out this year and, you know, was a big to-do open-world role-playing game. I'm like, let me finally give this a shot. And I liked it so much that I actually stopped playing partway through, and I downloaded the original on my PC yeah. through Steam and uh, the, the enhanced edition of it. I'm going through from the beginning. I want to play all three games, which is like hours and hours. Oh my gosh, um, you're crazy. I, and <laughs> I'm absolutely loving every bit of the experience because I loved three as I was playing through it. I only stopped because I'm like, I want to see the beginning of this thing. I, I'm downloading, I'm reading the first book right now. Um, just fell in love with the world. So it's a new property. Like I need anything else to take up my time. <laughs> <laughs> and and I really found, discovered something that will take up a lot of my time because it is in fact already doing that. But it's something that it forced me to want to enjoy more of it because it's that good. And I love that it comes from a book series. I love that the game you know, I, I'm a big fan of role-playing games in general. Uh, a lot of it, actually, Ian, you always mentioned your love of anime. Yeah. I love Japanese role-playing games because mm -hmm. of their story and their depth and their strong anime lengths yeah. to them. I love that this embraces that kind of concept of storytelling depth, but because of the nature of the book series that it comes from, it's very, very different. And uh, it, it kind of mixes fantasy with the horror genre and, you know, all kinds of other things that I really, really know and love. Um, so that was something that was kind of a great discovery this year that I was kind of like, oh, this is why people think this. <laughs> like, like, oh, I get it now. It's great. Well, really, I, it's cool. <laughs> that's that's awesome. You know, I, I had a similar experience uh, this year. I, I first uh, started playing uh, Injustice, uh, Gods Among Us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, finally, yeah, I I played through it. I played through the main story mode, and I I really enjoyed everything that I, that I got there. And yeah, the story in that is so deep, like way more than you would expect out of out of a out of a property mm -hmm. like that. You know, like for an Elseworlds, I I loved every minute of it. Let me just say, don't bother expecting the same deep story from the Nether Realms follow up Mortal Kombat X. Okay. Yeah, so not don't, not, not don't much there. That. Just 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 gameplay. Not really much of the just, uh, story. I mean, the story was fine, but it wasn't. I mean, I'm not a big Mortal Kombat guy. I got it from GameFly mm -hmm. and uh, played through the story, and it was like okay, it was serviceable. But in terms of like stuff that I'm attached to, it just didn't wasn't there. And from what I've read online, uh, and it wasn't big with Mortal Kombat nuts anyway. <laughs> Um, but the gameplay is uh, is great, just like Injustice. Okay, all right. Well, that's cool. Yeah, and I I, I like the uh, the variety of characters in Injustice. You know how how each one plays different, and uh, the version that I got, the uh, the Ultimate Edition, uh, comes with all the co the costumes included. I, I get to play as you know Zod if I want to, and uh, and all the other editions uh, uh, in there, including the uh, the Arrow version of Green Arrow. With, with uh, Stephen Amell's yeah, with grunts. Stephen Amell's grunts and, and voice acting and all that, <laughs> <laughs> so I get to hear him go, ugh, ugh, ah, which is always fun. Uh, 
a, a but a comic property that I found this year that I mentioned on the show a couple of episodes ago that I I finally discovered. I finally started reading Powers from the beginning. Read volume one of that. I've read volume two, and now I'm reading a hardcover edition of I think which encompasses volumes three and four. And I can definitely see why people are a fan of, of Powers as a property. Still not quite sure if it's 100% for me, but I, I'm i going to read through this next hardcover and see if I really like it. And, you know, if not, then I'll, I'll, I'll let it go. But it's it, I can understand why Powers was made into a TV show now, reading reading that, that there's a, there's a depth of character uh, to Powers that, that I really enjoy. And, and it's it's early Bendis. You know, you can see where where he uh you know developed his skills and uh, why marvel was so keen on picking him up for stuff like ultimate uh, spider-man from stuff like powers so that's that's definitely there for me that tv series is phenomenal too they did a really really nice job on that it's uh, we did a full episode on it sean I'm, i'm not as sold on it as you were but i i know it has potential and that's why i'm looking forward to specifically this new season considering who they got to, to show run this this new season I don't know if you heard this uh, Sean but Ben Edlund is joining uh ice yeah so it's gonna have more of uh you know that pedigree that's uh, that's there from you know the Buffy and Angel alums uh, which I, I'm really looking forward to and they're trying to I guess it's not gonna be nearly as dark color palette wise which was another problem that I had with it the lighting was always a little off for me um and uh, they're gonna try and fix that in in season two and uh you know, it won't be a prequel to the Powers series now. Now we'll actually be in, you know, Who Killed Retro Girl and, and go from there. So I'm very, very curious to see where this series is going to go from here. So I always took that as uh, they were trying to get the comic book color palette mm-hmm. is how, what they were doing with their cinema choices on it. Because I had read the comic before that. and But like you, I jumped on the comic late. Yeah. And that's one when you pick it up, I, I'm glad you recommended it because if you haven't read Powers for anybody listening to this, it's really a great comic series yeah. and it's something well worth reading. Uh, I jumped on that late and it, it, honestly, I, I think it reads better reading it in a collected edition just Definitely. because it's nice to read multiple issues in a sitting and really kind of delve into that world. It's the same way I feel about Invincible. Like I, I'm, I'm sure. glad that I read Invincible in collections as opposed to by single issues because I get uh, 12 issues in one bunch with the Ultimate Editions. Yeah, and that's a that's another great series to another one I jumped on late and and love every bit of Kirkman. I was I was late to the dance with Kirkman, and uh, really am enjoying everything that he puts out. <laughs> yeah, I have the next two volumes of uh, of Walking Dead that I got from the Brooklyn Public Library uh, just this week, so I got to run through those. I'm you know I'm past the war and everything now, so let's let's see where where we roll from here. And something I will be saying, I guarantee you I will be saying in 2016 as something that, you know, I, I discovered in 2016 that came out earlier because I just got it uh, as a Christmas present and I haven't gotten into it yet. The Collected Multiversity. Mm. Have not read Multiversity yet. I have that ginormous hardcover that has everything in it. I know I'm going to love it because I'm me and I love alternate realities. So that's, I know, I know I'm going to love it. And Mar- and Grant Morrison, so it's bound to be yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be better as a collected edition because of the way that story interconnected. Um, as is typical with Morrison, it, it does require, I think, multiple readings. <laughs> yeah, and, but I think having it all together there, I think it will. The connecting threads will be a lot more apparent. Good. 
Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I was thinking, and that's why I, I waited on it. Just because you know, I, I again, I read Final Crisis. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember how when it came out in in single issues, I was like, "The hell is this?" And then I sat down and I read the collection. I'm like, "Oh, so that's what it was." Okay, <laughs> it all made a lot more sense that time around. Uh, Brent, was there anything that you picked up this year? I have enough to- hard time trying to keep current with everything. <laughs> With uh, running around this little one-and-a-half-year-old who you probably heard crying on this episode or whatever. So yep. uh, I have not discovered anything old. I'm trying to stay current. What, what's been on your shelf that you finally got to? That's what I'm just said. Nothing. <laughs> nothing? Nothing at all? Okay. I'm, all right. I'm trying to stay. I've been trying to stay current with all everything. Right. Okay. Oh, that's, so that's, that I can do shows with you. That's good. That's good. Okay. Cool. Well, let's say what we're looking forward to in 2016. I think we've come to that point in the episode. So, uh, you know what, Brent? Maybe you'll have something more to say about that. Uh, what are you looking forward to this year? Batman v Superman showing everybody that they're wrong. <laughs> or at least, at the very least, I would like a concession from Ian and uh, illegal Man of Steel hater Jamal Eigel going, <laughs> you know what? That wasn't bad. Oh, it's not going to change my opinion on Man of Steel, but, you know, maybe. No, I'm Batman not saying that, but I, I want yeah. you to say that about. BVS. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I, I certainly hope for the best. I wanted to redeem the DC <laughs> Universe for you guys in your eyes. All right. That's anything, all. Or, or at least look forward to the next step. Okay. Any, anything in particular uh, comic-wise you're looking forward to? Or? I'm interested in uh, reading Batman and Robin Eternal now because of Azrael. Nice. <laughs> Sean? More experiments. I, I really liked this year because of the experiments. I liked that they took... You know, the tried and true concepts that we know and love, and they weren't afraid to play around with those either. And I think that's really important in comics. Uh, you know, if, if you do, if you here's the reality. If you goof something up in comics, the next writer can reboot it. <laughs> <laughs> or they can write that story that puts everything right again. Yeah. I like that they took some chances this year that I thought were, did they all work? Nah. But the ones that did really excited me, and I wanted to keep following them. And this was, I thought, a very fun year across comics. I'm not picking one company when I say that. I think across comics, there were some just great experiments going on with comic properties. And I just want to see more of that this year. I think it's it was a fun time, and I just want to have some more fun in 2016. Sp- speaking of experiments, how was Prez? Oh, I liked Prez a lot. Okay. <laughs> Prez, uh, you know what was nice? Prez needed to be a mini. Mm-hmm. I liked that it was very contemporary. It focused on the idea of... Uh, Twitter being a deciding factor. (laughs) Yeah. But reading Prez now with the current state of our politics is very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Whether you're a Republican, Democrat, or you fall somewhere in the middle, uh, there's some truth to Prez. (laughs) Speaking speaking of which, I just played for the first time last night, uh, right before watching the debates. Uh, There's a new card game that I kickstarted that's now available on Amazon uh, Mm -hmm. called Contender the Game. Uh, where uh, the object is uh, you're you're essentially doing a presidential debate. Each turn, one person gets to play moderator, and they ask you a question, and then you have cards in your hand, and you can either do an action card or a distraction card. And you know you you, you draw three. Uh, you put down you know you put sorry you draw five. You put down three each turn, and then whoever has the best argument at the end wins that turn. It is a lot of fun. It's very similar to, you know, it's a Cards Against Humanity style game, only a lot crazier because the cards actually are actual quotes from candidates over the years. 
Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a there's an expansion deck as well. That's the explicit deck, which I wound up getting, and uh, it's basically all Trump. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Already? Jesus. Yeah, no, they, 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 they did a whole campaign deck, essentially. One of those party games you can definitely get into uh, with, with a bunch of buddies. So, yeah, Contender the Game, I, I, I'll recommend that 100%. I'm kickstarting a new shell, shell game to help people decide who to vote for. <laughs> it's it's going to be really popular. It's, it's called Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Moe. Yeah. Anybody raising the salary of teachers in Ohio, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not a teacher anymore, so that doesn't work. <laughs> oh, man. Jim? I'm looking forward to Batman and Superman as well. You know, one, the movie, but, you know, within the actual, the titles themselves. It's funny because I, you know, Sean's the Batman guy, I'm the Superman guy, but I've really been loving the Bat universe. So just the story they've been telling because... Gordon as Batman has been awesome. I absolutely love it, but they're slowly bringing back Bruce. And I think in 2016, we're going to get uh, Bruce back in the cowl. And I look, I am eagerly excited, looking forward to just how that happens, where that comes about in the story that's told. And then with uh, Superman, the depowered Superman has been awesome. I've loved this story that is going on, but... I do want my dun da da Superman back. <laughs> and they're they're already laying down the groundwork for you know Clark to maybe get his powers back. You know, and I wanna see that. And then I wanna see how they deal with everybody knowing the truth about him and just where where the character goes. It's it's one of those things where I am eagerly excited for those two family genres when they when any book and those uh, families come out i'm jumping to them first just because i am uh, excited to them and the other thing i am excited about is what i'm calling girl power supergirl absolutely love the tv show looking forward to what they got and i zombie mm. absolutely love that tv show yeah, I really, really enjoyed the book, and so when the movie, when the TV show was coming out, I was like, ah, I don't know what they're gonna do. How are they gonna do it? I'm so hooked into both of those two TV shows that I'm looking forward to what's gonna happen uh, down the line. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I've really been enjoying iZombie too. This this uh, second season, I liked the first season. Second season has been great. It's it it it, it leaps and bounds for me. And the the funny thing is, I ha- I have. Uh, I've read volume one of the uh, comic, and I had volumes two and three on my Amazon wish list, and a friend of mine accidentally got me volume three without getting volume two. (laughs) So so now I need to go out and get myself volume two. It's like, all right, so you got me to buy it at least. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll finally uh, read the rest of the uh, the iZombie uh, series just so I can compare it in my head. Even though I know the show is different, it's nice to know where it came from. And that's the neat thing with the the show. It's doesn't the knowing in the comic book doesn't take anything away from the TV show because they they've captured her essence and the personality and just what was what made that comic so awesome. They brought that into the TV show, but it's different. It's yep. a different story, but just because of the story they're crafting, they're doing a great job with it. It's, and, Ver- it's Veronica Zombie Mars. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And I love Veronica Mars as a TV show. So that's one of the things I'm really digging about it. But another thing I I didn't throw out, I'm going to throw out as well, the return. I'm so looking forward to Walking Dead Mm. because as we're talking zombies, come on, I'm loving that show. And I love the book. And it's, you know, it's one of those because I've got a group of people at work who 
we all are uh, watching the show, and I'm the only one who's actually read the comic. So <laughs> we always get the, okay, how does this compare? What they do differently, you know? So I'm going to throw out, okay, this is what they did in the book. This is what's going on, you know? Well, wh- one thing that I've been really enjoying about Walking Dead is even when they deviate, they wind up back to the comic eventually. Like, even if they ch- even if they kill somebody earlier than they do in the show— the scenario is going to wind up being done, whether it's with a different character or not. Like they, they're yeah. they're doing the important story beats of the comic, even though the show is different. That's what I really appreciate. Well, the, Can't uh, wait for Negan and Glenn to meet this year. Oh my god! <laughs> People are gonna f- lose their shit. Uh, and, uh, and, and, yeah. and considering who they who they cast as Negan. Yeah. Oh, yes. oh my God! The comedian is a great choice as Negan. Yes. Come on! Yes. <laughs> uh, so looking forward to it. Did you watch Fear the Walking Dead, Jim? Yes, I did. Did you like it? I actually liked it. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't. Um, I don't think I liked it as much as I like Walking Dead. Yeah. Just because there was some. It's it's weird because in my head, whenever like. When they talk about Fear of Walking Dead, I'm like, yeah, you know, these people would know this stuff. But I, I, I keep had, I had to keep reminding myself that this universe, this TV universe, never had The Walking Dead. Yeah. It never had the Romero zombie shows. It never had all this stuff that we as people, as a general culture, learn all this stuff. So they had to learn it in the process. And that was always the thing that – because I'm like, dude, of course – Headshot, what are you thinking? Come on. Like, oh, wait, you don't know this stuff yet because they haven't had the rules. They haven't had the, uh, you know, they haven't all the, this universe never had this whole zombie craze on the TVs in the movie. So it's, it it was one of those things that every time I had to catch myself. But again, like with, you know, Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead had that where the universe itself was the main character. And these people were just, they're surviving in this uh, universe. So I enjoyed it. It, it it didn't quite it didn't quite work for me, but I I understand uh, why why it would work for other people. Like, yeah. I just didn't need to see the the beginning of the of the outbreak. You know, like it's just one of those things where like I was perfectly okay with the outbreak happening. Going back in time wasn't really necessary for me, but you know, we'll see where well, it goes. That was my biggest thing. Is uh, complaint was that it, we didn't see the outbreak. Yeah, it, it was one or two episodes, and they found the guys and. That kid was in the epicenter of it all. I hate that kid. I can't stand that kid. Donnie Jepp. His but, name is Donnie Jepp. What? Anyway, then they jump forward like weeks later, and they're already in some like militarized concent not concentration camp, but you know safety camp. Yeah. And I was like, what happened? Where, where's the outbreak? Mm. Where's the chaos? And I thought that's what we're gonna get. So I was upset when they jumped to the camp, and then you started dealing with all these camp politics and barely any zombies. In the middle there, the last episode was strong, but for a while there, I was I was going, "Where is the zombies?" <laughs> the last episode, you're right, Brent. That kind of saved it for me because I was in the beginning. I was looking very forward to like really going to the beginning, and it didn't quite hit that mark. I started to like the characters, but it felt like a watered down Walking Dead to me after a while. And then the last episode, I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I'm actually interested in season two. If it wasn't for that last episode, I'd probably be saying, I don't know that I even care about watching season two of it. The last episode has me interested in the fact that, because I was just looking to see if it's even continuing, because I know that it was something that uh, the ratings kind of dropped as it was going on. Yeah. And uh, the end, it ended very strong uh, to the point where I'm like, oh, okay, I actually do care about a season <laughs> two. I hope season two, though, learns from what worked in this 
And also, more importantly, what did it? Because I think there's a potential there for that to be an uh, interesting show, especially based on that last episode. I, they need to build off of what the last episode did right. Yeah. I, I wrote an editorial on the Comic Timing site about how uh, media shouldn't be a chore. And I decided that uh, I, I didn't enjoy Fear the Walking Dead enough to go back to it and that I have enough shows to watch to begin with. But if I get enough people telling me online that, you know, the season two is a big improvement over season one, because that, that that final episode, I, I will agree, was better than, than a couple of the other ones. But I, I, I just can't get over Donnie Jepp, which I will continue to call him because he, he looks like a younger Johnny Depp. Not enough redeeming qualities in the characters for me to, to, to keep me going. Uh, I, I need characters that I can actually give a damn about and not quite there with Fear the Walking Dead. The one thing I will say, though, is I wish it had a higher body count. It had a pretty yeah. good body count, but just of the main characters, mm-hmm. you know, I, I told Johnny, I wish he would have gotten eaten you know? <laughs> and not even a negative statement against him as a character or anything like that. I just think he was such a major character. I think that would have been a really cool you know, just a oh my god moment. I can't believe he just got eaten. That would have been cool. You know? Yeah, I, I yeah, totally I, agree. I really like Kim Dickens. I think the last thing I had seen her on was Sons of Anarchy, and I really liked her there. I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff anyway, but I just really thought for for an actress of that caliber and I believe talent, they really it felt like they didn't know what to do with her in that show. Yeah. Uh, let me uh, re- real quick uh, deviate to uh, to my 2016 stuff. Uh, just that uh, I am looking forward to uh, to more risks similar to what Sean is talking about. Specifically, looking forward to that new Black Panther comic that that Marvel's going to be putting out uh, mm-hmm. with uh, with Tenahisi uh, Coates. I, I believe that's how you pronounce his name in the driver's seat of it. Um, that could be a really unique comic and uh, could probably easily become one of the best sellers at Marvel if uh, the Black Panther hype is raised as much as it's going to be after Civil War, as I think it is. So very much looking forward to that. Um, I want to see where this Mark Wade Avengers title goes uh, in, in future issues. Having a team with both Miles Morales and Ms. Marvel on it uh, immediately has me sold. And, uh, you know, you've got the veterans in there. You've got Captain America, Sam Wilson. You've got Iron Man in there. You've got Vision. You know, all the cornerstones you need for a good Avengers team, plus some new kids. And I, I like that deviation from the norm there. Uh, sort of bringing in the uh, the youthful characters to the spotlight. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, the new Spider-Man title, the straight-up uh, Miles Morales title in the new Marvel Universe with Brian Michael Bendis at the helm should be pretty cool. And Dan Slott's amazing Spider-Man with its new Tony Stark-esque Peter Parker, <laughs> the globe-trotting, almost Spider-Man ink, that they're setting up really has me intrigued. One thing Dan Slott does better than most is changing the pace and making you perhaps not know what's coming next. And I I feel that every single issue of Amazing Spider-Man, and I, I wonder what just where this story is going to go and whether or not Peter's going to wind up down in his luck like he always does or whether this will be around for a lot longer. So very interesting stuff coming out of Marvel DC, I'm going to catch up on Grayson. I'm going to get that in trade and, and see where I can go, whether I get it from the library or whether I get it online or on Comixology. I want to I want to start reading that again. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to see where the Justice League shows up with Jeff Johns. I might actually read that just now that uh, Brent's been talking it up more. I'll, I might give that a shot again. So 
interesting stuff there. Movie-wise, Civil War, 100%. And that other movie with Batman and Superman, we'll see where that happens. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, Deadpool? We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, yeah, and Deadpool. Yes, thank Deadpool, you. Yeah. Deadpool, Deadpool, Deadpool. Oh, my God. That, the campaign to try and make Deadpool look like a Valentine's movie... <laughs> I applaud that so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially the like Facebook messages that the Deadpool uh, Facebook page has been posting of like people convincing their girlfriend that there's this heartwarming tale about a man suffering from cancer trying to win back his love. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's Deadpool, but it sure as hell isn't going to be what you think it is. <laughs> really, really cannot wait for that. And uh, I think, Wait, I hope they do more of that. Yes. Um, because to me, that's been one of the best ad campaigns I've seen in recent history. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that instead of doing the traditional trailer that kind of shows you everything about the movie, they're playing with us a little bit. And I yes. love that. It's fun. <laughs> it actually just makes me even more excited for that film. I want that to be so good. <laughs> it works because he tears down, he, he is a character who tears down the fourth wall. Yes. Oh yeah. Just- so that's why the, the this ad campaign is working for him, you know, as opposed to you know like them trying to do something similar with uh, Batman versus Superman. Whatever and and whatever you do, make sure I don't get a CGI mask. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to wear green I, I, tights or a CGI mask. <laughs> I really hope this revives Ryan Reynolds's career as a comedian. He's so funny. He needs to just focus on. He's a good-looking guy, yes, but yeah. he needs to focus on comedic roles because that's that's you know play to your strengths. That's mm-hmm. where his strength lies. Definitely, yeah. No, I and I, I have high hopes for this, just like I have high hopes for uh, X Men Apocalypse. I hope that that turns out well. Uh, the, from the from that first trailer, I, I I did like the first trailer a lot. Uh, ex- even even with the uh, annoying like stinger of like, ooh, you know, you want to see this movie because look, Professor Xavier's bald now. Eh, eh. I'm not excited for Ivan News at all. Sorry. Well, I am because also Poe is uh, is Apocalypse, so that's 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 fine by me. Uh, anything with Oscar Isaacs, I I want to see. He's got that personality; makes me happy inside. I like the last two movies a great deal, so I I, I have hopes for this one to be that kind of quality. Yeah, and Suicide Squad's this year too, right? Oh yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. August. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So well, what I another one that I'm hoping turns out good. I I actually have more of an interest in Suicide Squad than I do Batman v Superman in some ways, just because it's something new, you know, something that we really haven't experienced before. Uh, a lot of these characters have not been on the big screen; uh, they've been on a small screen, but uh, you know, now they here here's their chance to, I guess, grow and shine a little bit in the public eye. So we'll see. And with that, I'm just going to throw out. Two honorable mentions for 2015 because they just came to me and uh, one of them I know that Sean and Jim are interested in and I don't know if you've seen it yet, but if you haven't, you should. The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened? Mm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, Kickstarter for that one. Um, have, have you seen it yet? Uh, yes. Okay, good. All right, yeah. That was, that was a really happy surprise for me just because... I've always wondered about Superman Lives, that that, that movie that uh, the, the giant mechanical spider 
that that was never to be. Um, they 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 do a really good job of breaking down uh, what Tim Burton's Superman would have been like, and you 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 see a lot more than that one horrible still of Nick Cage as Superman, and <laughs> uh, and learn a lot more about the project. And actually, by the end, like that last shot of Nick Cage in a final Superman costume right before they shut down production didn't look too bad. I'm sure the movie probably wouldn't have been great, but it would have been different at least. So that very I, cool. I have to give that documentary another shot. Cause I don't think I was able to give it my full attention the first time mm-hmm. and being married to who I'm married to working in video and, you know, TV and stuff. I was way more distracted by the camera and sound hiccups that they were having mm-hmm. Throughout the document, you know, Tim Burton's like, why didn't they mic him on his shirt? I have no idea. <laughs> I was a lot more bothered by that. So I, I, think I really need to give that another shot now that I know that it's not, you know, 100% professional quality or whatever. Yeah. And uh, really focus on the, on the content instead of the filmmaking aspect of it. Yeah, because I learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the stuff that I remember seeing sound interesting, but I want to, I need to watch it again. Yeah. Jim, have you uh, got a chance to see that yet? I've actually seen a part here, a part there, a part okay. there. I've never seen from point from beginning to end. Okay. Yeah. Uh, definitely as as the Superman fan that you are, I would give that a go, man, because again, like it's a, it's a giant what if. Like yeah. seeing if this had gone forward, just think how different the uh the movie uh landscape for Superman could be today. It, lately I haven't been in a documentary mood. Mhm. You know, for me, with the, you know, I've got to be in the mood to actually watch a documentary. Oh, same for, way. Yeah. You know, and like there's a meatloaf documentary that I saw a bit here and I saw a bit there. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting, but I, I, it couldn't hold my attention. By the I way, he's talking about the food, not the singer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the singer. Come on. And it was, and it, it, it was kind of a neat thing. And I, I was kind of starting to get into it. Then it just, for whatever reason, it just lost me. You know? And I started thinking, hey, I wonder what's going on on Gold Rush. You know? And it just, it, my brain just started thinking of you know different TV shows and stuff. I'm like, ah, I'll watch this another time. You know? and Speaking of TV shows, Jim, did you like Full House? What the uh, the reboot or the remake or have you heard? Um, I'm asking. Hey, did you like the original? Well, the original. Oh yeah, I watch that all the time. Okay. Well, here's another reason for you to get Netflix. Fuller House <laughs> coming soon. Yeah, they're redoing Full House. I know. I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. <laughs> they even have a golden retriever again. Yep. Just like things haven't changed. Well, a little changes, a little difference. <laughs> nope, nothing's changed, nothing at all. <laughs> well, they don't have the twins. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. What, what's great about it is that they apparently write off Michelle by saying that she's a a fashion model in New York, like a fashion like superstar in New York, trying to like poke at the Olsen twins a little bit. Right. Well, you know, I read something on uh, they, and every time they cover the show, they c- always talk about the absence of the Olsen twins. This poor show can't live up to those, you know, girls who haven't acted in 10 years. But they made a very salient point is that, you know, those everybody else on that show has memories when they were teenagers and adults. So it's very nostalgic for them to want to go back. You know, all the actors that are returning, you know, remember being a part of the show, whereas those two little girls don't really. They were, you know, newborns to three to four. And I don't know if the show ended when they were six or seven. 
So their memories of that show probably are not, you know, they're not as visible in their minds as far as like everyone else's are. So I totally don't fault the uh, Olsen twins for not being that interested in going back. (laughs) Well, I think the other thing is they, um, that show launched them with all their twin movies that oh, they yeah. did and all that stuff. And that launched and then they went into their own multi-billion dollar operation. So they're really not acting anymore. They're entrepreneurs and businesses. So I'm like, I, I don't fault them for not being on the show. They, I always thought one of them should make a cameo. And then later in the episode, have the other one make a cameo because for being twins, they look dramatically different now. I think that'd yeah. be kind of interesting to have the one on and the other one on. <laughs> I, frank, frankly, I just appreciate that this call has now switched to conversation about Fuller House. Hey, I was just up, trying man. to get Jim Netflix. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to find another way in. Another way to pull me in, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, I, the 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 other uh, honorable mention I wanted to mention real quick is in a manga that I that I picked up uh, that uh, that's a, that's an anime as well. It's called Food Wars, and anybody that is a fan of food porn, anybody who's a fan of like delicious dishes that'll make you drool, and also uh, good descriptions of said food, Food Wars is for you. It's basically about a, a kid who works at a diner and uh, his dad decides that he doesn't want his kid to just, you know, be a diner worker for his entire life. So he sends him to this like really amazing high school that is all about culinary arts and it's the best culinary school in the world and uh, his life basically turns into a giant episode of MasterChef. Like every single uh, episode he's trying to, uh, you know, best the next person and become number one at the school. It's, 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 it's cool like that and each episode will make you starving. <laughs> the food all looks amazing. I'm so well, glad you further explained your definition of food porn because <laughs> mine's completely different than that. So when you said that, I'm like, dude. <laughs> yeah, not that. Wait, not, not, see this meat documentary you're watching now. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter three, tomatoes, yes or no? Oh, another food porn show was Hannibal. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Oh, that was good stuff. I never knew what they were eating, but it always looked amazing. Yep. All right, guys. I think I think we've done an amazing job of going over 2015, and it's just about regular raging bullets length, so I think we're good. Sean, Jim, guys, thank you so much for for being on. It's it's, it's been way too long, and it's always fun to talk to you guys. And um, happy 10 years for you guys. I know that you're in your uh, 10th anniversary year, and uh, it's amazing that this time has gone by so quickly. But uh, thanks for having us on, and uh, it's, it's great to be a part of your rich history. My, my pleasure. And uh, are, are, is, is that the same for you guys at this point? or, yeah. or yeah. Th- Okay. All right. I, I forget when you guys started. Uh, whether hey, we're it was coming March. up to March. March. Okay, cool. Nice. Nice. Got anything special planned? Oh, we have a few ideas brewing. Um, we're going to be announcing something later this month. I'm trying to pull all the pieces, parts together. So nice. Nice. Stay, stay tuned. Very good. Very good. Have a romantic trailer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we all know that uh, that what that part of it is going to be uh, Blue Beetle with Brent. So that's that's good. Let's get that out of the yes. way. And. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, gotta... just digging old wounds. Digging it. Digging it. <laughs> Ten year wound. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, no. I, what 
definitely my pleasure. And uh, if, if there's ever a DC book you want me to read ahead of time, just let me know and I'll happily come back on Raging Bullets. It's been a while. Well, let's do something. Yeah, we'll have to yeah. we'll plan something. Definitely. Anything in particular upcoming on Raging Bullets you want to pimp or anything, like uh, upcoming episodes or? No, we got um, a few things in the works that I want to get to. We're going to have uh, Freddie Williams II back on. Oh, nice. About uh, Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cool. But also his work on uh, Jonas Quantum, which is a great miniseries that I can highly recommend from Legendary. Hmm. It's out right now that he's doing with Mark Guggenheim. And if you if you missed out on this one, it's fantastic. It's a great miniseries. And uh, especially if you're a time travel junkie, it, it plays around with uh, concepts of time travel and science with a character. It's... It's a lot of what I liked about things like Magnus Robot Fighter and stuff like that uh, growing up as a kid. It's, it, go, it goes to a lot of those concepts. So, Well, I'm not at all a fan of time travel, so I would not be interested in any way. No, 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 no. All right, fine. I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, he, he dabbles in all kinds of scientific concept. It's, it's, there's a lot of adventure, and it, it really plays around. I'm not doing it justice because there's so much going on, and it's really hard to pin down what it is, um, other than it's just it's a really cool new concept. And if you want to find out more, go to RagingBullets.com as that episode is upcoming. That's right. Well, we actually, we've already done two interviews with him on Jonas Quantum, so we're going to Oh, even better. There we yeah. go. Sweet. So. All right. And uh, Brent, anything upcoming you want to pimp? Dude, I've had a BK's Bullets for Video Games Best of 2015 sitting in the vault for a month. <laughs> I need to put that out this month before it becomes February. <laughs> that might be a good idea. In fact, it'll, I mean, it'll, it'll go quite well with this episode. That's my goal. It's actually been on YouTube the entire time since we recorded it. Really? But, uh, I okay. need to put it out in audio form, yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, oh, yeah, right, because, yeah, Jim Jim likes doing that sort of stuff. Yes. Fantastic. All right, so, yeah, so look forward to that. And uh, like I said, there will be upcoming extra points to come, and uh, news on the Patreon uh, will probably come uh, come out shortly after this episode is released. So stay tuned on that, basically, if you want to further support the show. That'd be a good way to do so. Once again, as, as always, we're sponsored by DCBS, Cisco Complex Service at DCBService.com, where you can find 50% off of Marvel and DC hardcovers and trades, and 40% off of Marvel, DC, Image, and Dark Horse single issues. Bundles, 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 more bundles, more bundles. Discount Complex Service, DCBService.com. Email address is comictiming at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash comictiming. And we're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over at comicspodcast.com. Once again, Sean and Jim, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks again for having us. It was a lot of fun. I will forever be your ambassador of Quan, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Always. (laughs) And as always, there's always time for comics. In 2016! Dude, I'm watching that Beatloaf documentary you're watching. That's nasty. That <laughs> <laughs> might not be. It might not be the right thing, Sean. I, 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 that's that's why he kept cutting in and out. He he pressed mute to throw up. <laughs> oh, that's exactly what it is. No, he was accidentally downloading one of those viruses Jim was talking about, looking for a Meatloaf documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of uh, there was this old Nickelodeon gag uh, called Vegetarian Loaf. And uh, I believe the song was, and I would do anything for love, but I won't eat meat. (laughs) 
just a fair warning, and I don't know that this will be an issue because we never call the day before, but mm-hmm. uh, districts are starting to call for snow day tomorrow. Okay. So if my super decides to call this evening, which is a rare occurrence, I would have to bug out for a few minutes and make that happen. Okay. I don't think that's the case because we live in the snow belt, so they usually wait until the morning just in case everything blows over. Right. The counties that are currently calling are the ones that don't typically, so I think we're going to be okay. I just wanted to give you a heads up, though, that this that there's a slim possibility I may have to do that. Nice accidental pun about the snow belt uh, blowing over, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an accidental pun, but it, it sounds a lot more clever when you... <laughs> you know... Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, you know, um, a lot of the... Uh, the um yeah um but they're off if i remember correctly uh did sean drop again i think he must have just gotten a power out again hey sean you're back just in time for us to finish talking about fuller house (laughs) as one would on a comic book show (laughs) 